Hello and welcome to another episode of Line Succession. I am your host, Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer, my co-host, Spencer. Say hey, people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we are on episode seven, Too Much Birthday. So, uh, most uncomfortable you've ever been in an hour of television? Where's Where it at in the uncomfortable rankings? Okay, we've, we've set the standard before. Scott's Tots, where's it rank compared to that, sir? It might be above Scott's Tots. It, that, it's, oh. it, it's at least 1B. It, I mean, it, for me, it is. It was really, really tough to get through. And, it, you know, it, it bordered on almost not fun. It started to get almost not enjoyable to watch to me. And that would be my biggest criticism of this hour of television. What do you think? I think that's a very fair summary of where it was very, very successful at what it wanted to be. And that was awkward and painful and sad. And it accomplished all of those beautifully. It was remarkably well-written, acted television. That was hard and difficult and painful. And you wanted a a break and a drink afterwards after you finished it. So... Would, would this be the episode I'd recommend? It's like, hey, you like you're interested in a new show? Watch this episode and see if you'd like Succession. No, no, it isn't. But it is still a very successful hour of television. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think of your the sphere in your your life. I think I'm the biggest Succession fan. Is that fair? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, because you've said before, like, you don't really know a ton of people who are into it. As a matter of fact, I had to disabuse you of the notion that it wasn't a popular show. You seem to yeah. think like nobody was watching it, well, which is not not really true. Wait, um, the, but, the statistics but it, are misleading. It's pretty popular. And I think yeah. it, I think HBO considers it one of its flagship shows. But but I say all that to say that I've, I've pushed a lot of people in my life to watch Succession. Yes. Um, you, my wife, other people. And this is one where I watched it and I kind of turned it off and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> people are gonna get calls. People aren't gonna be happy with me because oh. I pushed them into this show and this hour of television is really tough. This is episode seven, too much birthday. It pretty much the entire episode revolves around two things. Uh, One, the potential acquisition of the company Gojo. Yeah. And two, kind of running in parallel for the vast majority of the episode, Kindle's birthday party. Too much of it actually. We knew we were getting a lot of Kendall's birthday parties, Kendall's 40th birthday party. I will say that uh, the actor does look much older and they give a little throwaway line to Roman, who's yeah. like, you look way older than 40. You look like shit, which I thought was a little nod to the audience, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will get into all that more here on Line of Succession. I will like to start by saying the last episode that we posted, that was season three, episode six, the last about nine minutes, Spencer's audio cut out. I fixed the file. If you listen to it in the last about nine minutes, you were like, what's going on? There's only a one-sided conversation. It's fixed now. I will tell you, in that nine minutes, Spencer delivered pure and absolute gold. It's some of the best radio you'll ever hear. So I got to tell you, you got to go back and listen to it because he absolutely knocked it out of the park those last nine minutes. But overarching concern there. Uh, apologies for that. That's a hundred percent on me that uh, his, his audio cut out in the last episode. Uh, we will not make that mistake again this week. The second thing I want to point out is we have another podcast running concurrently to this here on the Mangum Talks podcast network. And that is as the wheel of time turns, it is a review podcast of the Amazon prime series wheel of time. I do that with three other people. That's right. Four mm-hmm. person pod. It's a big one, but I direct traffic. I run the recap. Uh, I try to do it. It's pretty much similar to what I do here. So if you like, kind of the format of this podcast and you you, you like listening to, to me gab a little bit you might want to go over to as the wheel of time turns and do that and i'll say this if you haven't watched wheel of time give it a try that's a good show amazon in my opinion is known for pushing out some like all right let's just get it out quick shows content, yeah exactly i've not been super impressed with their content lineup their original content lineup in the past 
This is very different. They put a lot of money, time, effort into this. The writing is good. It, it has source material it's deriving from, from that has obviously been popular for years and years and years. It's the Wheel of Time series from Robert Jordan. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's very good. Mm -hmm. uh, have you seen Wheel of Time, Spencer? I have watched the first episode of the show and I've listened to the first episode of the podcast and I got to compliment you guys. You have the perfect balance of just jaded book fans and just wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, fresh show fans, which offers a delightful mix of commentary. Awesome. Thank you. And as always, if you are a Harry Potter fan, check out the best podcast we have on the Bang of Talks podcast network. I've been saying this for years. It is called Pottering Around. It's a chapter-by-chapter -chapter reread of Harry Potter. If you like Harry Potter, that's, that's your game. Check it out. Spencer's on that one. My wife does it. It's the best thing we have on this podcast network. Okay, here we go. Let's jump into Line of Succession. As okay. always, we have got our segments. We will start with a recap. I and I alone will lead the recap while Spencer mm -hmm. jumps in with anecdotes, wisdom, and just funny lines all the way around. Then we go to, we do Roy of the episode. So we do, and, and typically what we've done this season, which I really like what we've done, is we've basically done a Roy Power Rankings, and we start at the bottom. Who had the worst week? I've got a nominee. And then we move our way up to who had the best week. And we, we've kind of been holding it to just the Power Five Roys, right? Logan mm -hmm. and the four kids. We'll probably try to stick to that here, although there is a discussion we had about Greg and Tom. Then we will go to Line of Succession. That's our favorite line of dialogue from the episode. And we will wrap up with my three favorite minutes of every single week. Spencer's relationship advice of the episode, where Spencer looks at the events of the episode, distills it, puts it down, digestible format, and mm -hmm. feeds mm -hmm. you relationship advice that if you will only take, things in your life will get better, I dare say. Spencer, are you ready for the recap? Uh, other than not endorsing your last statement, yes, I'm very much down for it. Now, do you feel like you got to brace yourself, though? This is a hell of a ringer of an episode. Do you need to prep? Do you need to prepare? Do you need to take certain steps to be ready to do a recap on this again? We've been saying for years, Spencer. Podcast professionals? Podcast professionals. Then we, pff, let's do it. All right, here we go. Season three, episode seven, Too Much Birthday. We get a recap that focuses heavily on Kendall, a lot of references to Shiv's power plays, and the tension with Logan. Uh, mm -hmm. That was kind of the, the main think i always like to look at what they focused on in the recap that gives us an idea of not just what's going on in this episode but what they view as important going forward so we jump into the events of the episode it starts with kendall uh on a stage alone looks like a sound check doing a rendition of billy joel's honesty not my favorite billy joel song not mine either and wowza was that going to be uncomfortable if that thing actually went down <laughs> you know it seemed to me like what he was planning was to sing billy joel maybe be taken away like up up into the rafters on like a harness or something uh, he had something planned there, there was a curse thank god involved. it didn't happen yeah thank god it didn't happen uh i will say this though jeremy strong the actor who plays kendall not a terrible singer he does okay he starts better He's than okay. he ends yeah, he tries to go high. He shouldn't go high. But no, that, he's got a he's range. He's not bad. He's like a he's like a pretty good baritone. Let's give that man some Darius Rucker. Let's give him some hitting the Blowfish. I think he's a pretty good baritone. That's good, what I say. Perfect call. Yes. Naomi is right there uh, with him. Gonna say Naomi, looking stunning this episode. Throughout, yes, stunning and the real MVP of the episode. I think we can <gasps> all say if there's a most <gasps> valuable player here, it's Naomi. Let's go. Like, can we go ahead and award it to Naomi? Most valuable player of the week. Season three, yeah, seven? I, I absolutely. I, I don't think, I think it's beyond dispute. She necessarily saves the day for a key character before this episode is done. Unbelievable. Times. What a good girlfriend. She's didn't see it coming by the way. Did mm -hmm. not think that she would be like a real legit 
get down in the weeds with you emotionally, really dig in and be a part of your life type girlfriend in the way that it looks like she is for Kendall. I did not see that coming when she, that character was introduced last season. And we talked about it earlier this season that we were kind of worried because there have been some seeds in season two that there was some depth to her and there was some caring and there was some cuteness to the relationship, which we hadn't really gotten to see much here where she was mostly just walking into a room to drink uh, his ex-wife's key bottle of wine. And that was all we really got out of her. And she seemed like she was enjoying kind of thumbing her nose at it. This time we actually got to harken back a little bit more to some of the season two characterization we thought might be there. And I really enjoyed seeing it. Absolutely. So real MVP of the episode, Kendall stops, looks at her, says, it's good, right? It's good. It's funny. It's funny. She's like, I don't think it's funny. I just think it's good. She's just being super supportive here. He says, well, let's just do this thing. Let's get the whole thing. Let's go full on nut, nut, full excess and bore. That's what we're going to do here on line of succession. Spencer full nut, nut, full excess and bore. No, no, we are not. We have seen that that does not work. We're not doing it. Naomi just sort of looks at him. Uh, Kendall questions her. He's like, why are, you, why are you hesitating? And she's like, uh, and he goes, look, I, I've gone anti-fragile. I can accommodate anything. If I start second guessing, it collapses. A lot of, lot of, lot of lies in there and a lot of truths in there. Uh, uh, I can accommodate anything. No. Nope. Not really true. Uh, second, he starts second guessing it. It collapses. Very true. Uh, Naomi doesn't really know what to say to that. Kendall says uh, into the mic, this is the full fucking thing. It's got to be epic. This is the full fucking thing. Kendall's line about, you know, if I start second guessing, it collapses. That actually reminded me of Daenerys' line for the books. If I look back, I am lost. It's similarly a bad philosophy to follow. It's just anybody that has to declare that I've gone anti-fragile is in a state that will shatter if you look at them wrong. Absolutely. Then we get the cold opening. Very, very short one this episode. I think this might be the shortest ever, Spencer. Fair uh, enough, yeah. One minute, 20, one minute, 28 seconds. I think we have a winner. So this episode stand out superlative in multiple ways. One, potentially the shortest cold opening we've ever gotten, other than the ones where there is none. Yeah. And two, possibly the most uncomfortable hour of television we've ever seen. If that's what you're going and for. And that's coming from a guy who watches every single week religiously curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> so you've trained. This is like you and hot spicy food. You have gone through Absolutely. D- years of background buildup for this moment. And even you found this just a tad unbearable. Yeah. I, yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly true. All of that. <laughs> Start with Shiv in an office with Roman and Tom. Tom is researching prisons on his phone. He's still on that. Yes, he does. Shiv is looking through some work that Roman provided her. Looks like Roman actually completed a file. He did a with f- real work, real papers in there, Spencer. He did an all-nighter about analyzing the Gojo deal and why it would be a good idea for the company. And that's an impressive achievement. That's a necessary little fixture as they're pondering this. And Shiv's doing everything in her power to dismiss it as irrelevant work on his part. Absolutely. Uh, it's pretty funny that, that she immediately starts to dismiss it. She says, what about the organizational cultural thing? And Roman just sort of smirks. Shivs agrees that Gojo is the right move, basically makes it sound obvious. And Roman says, well, if it's obvious, I regret staying up all night with these, with my assholes. So he's got assholes, I guess, that do work with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shiv, quote, it's just about us here who get it, who get it. Oiling the wheels and making sure there is no friction. Roman fires back that they can handle the human stuff with no problems or issues. Quote, that actually comes natural to some of us. So Roman already... He's We're feeling 10 himself. Fucking seconds into this episode, he's feeling himself and he's punching hard at Shiv. That continues unabated the entire oh, episode. It escalates. 
Yeah, Shiv's sort of confused by this. Roman says that's why he's focused on deal details. Shiv's pushes back, says, look, our job is big picture. And Roman counters by saying big picture is made full of small details. Now, at this point in the episode, we do not have everything that goes on with Roman in the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. And up until this point, I thought maybe you'd be on Roman's side. This sounds like a Spencer line. Hey, big picture is small details. We have to knock out the details. At this point, I was very much on Roman's side. This is necessary prep that he did. This will be very useful going forward, even if everybody's on the same page that the deal was a good call, because you have to use this information to market it to other people that aren't just in the immediate room. This felt like Shiv just trying to, you know, flex and diminish somebody that she feels like a rival to right now. 100%. That's what it is. What you what a good, what she should be doing, because she's uh, ostensibly a boss in this organization. Sure. She's president. What <laughs> she should do is she should say, hey, Roman, we have our differences great work on this you really yeah. did a good job thank you for all your efforts and please thank your people and can i make would you be okay if i send them an email thinking of myself something like that that would be good leadership shiv not a good leader does not do that yeah to which roman would have immediately acted embarrassed and told her to go fuck herself but would have appreciated it in, in a way he could never admit then there's a sort of stop the fight stop the fight situation by tom who throws in the towel he says guys 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 it's just nerves he mm-hmm. says it's all good they just need to go make the deal they both agree Roman pokes him on the way out. Great rallying cry, Braveheart. So even when somebody does something something that Roman thinks is nice, he's 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 in that mode right now. Yes. I'm just gonna fucking hit everybody as hard as I can. Roman asks Shiv if she's going if he's going to Kinfest. It's Ken's birthday. It's been mm-hmm. teased, and she says she doesn't think so. But uh, if uh, Madison, who is the CEO of Gojo, apparently the creator of the platform as well, he seems to be the brains behind the tech. If he goes, then maybe she'll go. Tom mm-hmm. and Roman agree that they should just go see how bad it is. It's kind of a hate watch type thing. Yeah. Interesting thing to say you're going to do about your brother's birthday party, but yeah. that's where we are with the with the Roy's. Shift teases Roman a little bit because he said he was going, and she's oh, brother, I love you. <laughs> Constant bickering. They walk mm. into a conference room, and they see whoop, shades are down. Shades are down! They do mm. a bit of back and forth about what that means and eventually start chatting about Carrie and his, her relationship with Logan, mm-hmm. Shiv says it's like Logan, Logan is having a midlife crisis at 80. She says it's not okay. It's creepy. She's 50 years her junior. Roman, it's not a crisis. It's normal. It's the opposite of a crisis. We should all be so fucking happy. <laughs> Different philosophies on the situation right now. Yeah. What do you think, Spencer? I mean, what if uh, what if you had what if your dad, well, maybe not your dad, probably won't work with your, your dad. There's just like somebody who's very, very close to you who's older, yes. was having a relationship with somebody 50 years their junior. Would this be of concern to you? If they were Logan, no. Other than the possible problems with Marsha. If they were somebody I knew, like a close family member, I would start having concerns about maybe dementia or something more severe than midlife crisis or even manipulation going into it. So, yeah, I would start alarm bells and start going off. It would really worry me. I think this is a very strange thing. But, but you know who would, I would be worried for is, is Carrie. I would be like, you're fucking an 80-year-old man. I understand that you want to move up and you want power, power or whatever. But you're fucking an 80-year-old man. Like, just just think about that for a second. That's what I would tell her. Is, is the fact the 80-year-old man Brian Cox in any way changed that equation for you? No. It's okay, very, just It's pretty disturbing to be fucking somebody <laughs> 50 years older than you. It's, uh, is that really where you want to be with your life? Mm. But Shiv asks Logan uh, if he's landed Gojo, and Jerry clarifies, we are not celebrating. We're not celebrating. It's just a simple midday couple Measure. glasses of champagne. Yeah, who to doesn't? The face. Every, everybody does that, right, Spencer? That sounds reasonable. That's how you drink, right? 
Uh, that's a relatively no- normal law from occurrence. Yes. Um, they did not say that's how he drinks, by the way. I just <laughs> Uh, Logan says, long road ahead. Long road ahead. Reiterating, mm. we are not celebrating here. Jerry explains they've had a vibration. Oh. I'm sure that sure that Roman got interested in that. <laughs> Just a bit. She's been speaking with a connection to DOJ. Roman immediately asks, is it Lori? Which is, everyone, this is where people should have taken note. They should have said, whoa, Roman knows Roman the name know of Jerry's boyfriend. Exactly. I'm not sure if they did. We'll see later. Maybe. But he does throw that out. And Jerry does not appear to answer she, the question. Does she not dodges engage it. engage into that. She explains that the DOG is coming to the conclusion that they are pretty much happy with Waystar's cleanup efforts. Kendall yeah. overpromised. Kendall overpromised. Ooh. What? What? I'm offended. And while some men long ago were super naughty, it's nothing systemic, stuff. nothing sanctioned. Logan, it's going to be a number. Basically, we're going to get a fine. We're going to be fine. Yeah. Nothing that's custodial. Jerry says nothing custodial. Tom clarifies. Wait, 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 wait. Nothing custodial. <laughs> Does that mean there's no jail? And Jerry says, no, don't think so. Logan walks over to Tom. Look, here's the thing. I'm Team Kendall. Yeah. I would like to go on the record to say I'm still Team Kendall at the end of this episode, if that surprises you. I'm it doesn't. I'm, I am still Team Kendall. This but was great leadership by Logan. Great give, leadership. He I, I walks wanted over. you to give me this. Yeah. Absolutely. Great leadership. He walks over, and the first thing out of his mouth when he hears it's going to be custodial and no jail time is he goes to Tom and he says, I won't forget this. I think everybody in that room should have turned and said that to Tom in that moment. Logan was the only Logan one that thought to do it, including his own wife. Logan was the only one that thought to do it, so shout out to Logan for that. I thought that was a good move. Absolutely. Yep. Shiv uh, then congratulates Logan in Does the she? worst Does possible she? way. This is dumb on two fronts. What is her objective here? She word vomit. I think yeah. she starts talking before she thinks. She's dumb on two fronts. One, it's pretty offensive what she says out loud to, to Logan, considering the context of the situation. And two, she doesn't take the first breath. The first breath she should take is to is to say something to her husband and she doesn't do it she talks to her dad mm. which again and again and again continues to reiterate my theory which is the only person that shiv loves in this world other than herself is her father nobody roman else will, roman will discuss this later in the most brutal gross way possible yep she says well congratulations dad you've done it again it's great stop let's stop just stop there <laughs> let's just hope you don't do it again no! right no 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 lessons learned lesson learned Oh, and here's to Tom. I, I am married to a guy after who's going to go to prison after all. Oh, Jerry, quote, long road ahead. No premature celebrations. Roman takes another drink. So he pounds another glass of champagne. Shiv you not touching stop. hers. And Tom excuses himself to go to the little boy's room. Logan says, as Tom's walking out, no more mooning. No more back slapping. Go, Joe. Go, Joe. Go, Joe. There we go. He's pivoting. He's pivoting. Mm-hmm. Your guy's Next pivoting. Step. Cut to Tom walking into Greg's office. Best moment of the episode? It's high. It's high. It is... Man, this guy's a good actor. He sells just uncontrolled, I'm fucking King Kong and the Empire State Building excitement in a way that is... I could not even attempt to fake it. He is a really, really good actor. And you called this out, um, you know, pretty early on that you thought he was kind of a level above. My wife also called it out and said that she thought that maybe this season... They figured out what they mm-hmm. have with him. This just continues to reaffirm it because they. Here's what they, in essence, the what the people making this episode did. And I'm big. I'm a big television uh, expert, so you can yeah, trust yeah. Me Fictionado. Obviously, I'm an insider. I have a podcast these days. No, you know, that's pretty <laughs> rare. Oh yeah, celebrity. Um, yeah, nobody has that. Uh, no. 
they basically said, you're going to get excited. You have a couple of these sort of lines go nuts. And I think they just kind of gave him free reign because he's just all over the place in this scene. Based on how the actor who plays Greg reacted, do you think he was actually scripted to flip the desk or just did that shit? Hard to tell because the actor who plays Greg does look pretty startled. So what he does is he says, hello, whoa, whoa, whoa. Scooch over there, little buddy. Thank you, Greg. And then he flips the desk. Yes, 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 yes. Jumps Jumps on the filing cabinets. Beats his chest. Scooch, fuck yeah. (laughs) Greg hides in the corner and asks, what is wrong? Tom, apologies, Greg. May have got a little carried away. (laughs) Maybe maybe just Ted, Tom. Mm. I just popped round to say that no one is going to jail. Jerry spoke to the DOJ. And the Waystar 2, which is, I guess, what they're referring to themselves as the Waystar 2. Um, Pretty funny callback. uh, Are free. Greg asks, is this real? And Tom walks over, kisses his forehead. Pause. Shippers go nuts. One one of many moments this episode, I think the shippers probably went crazy. If you are not aware of this phenomenon, Spencer, please explain what the internet is doing. Okay, well, shipping itself is the romantic pairing of characters on a show that aren't typically actually canonically paired. It is a very common uh, habit among fandoms. It has existed for years, and the internet has only made it grow even larger. When it comes to this show, from some casual internet sleuthing, the most popular ship is Tom and Greg. Aspects of the fan base go nuts for it. They seize on every detail possible to try to make this an actual canon relationship. (laughs) And this episode gave them ammo. It's pretty like, so when you, I mean, I knew about the, the Tom Greg shippers. I thought it was kind of funny. You mentioned it last episode, I believe you, yes. you, you brought it up on the podcast. Maybe for the first time we ever actually really talked about it. For a moment. Yeah. This was the first time I felt like one of two things was happening. They were either really going to go that route mm-hmm. that they actually do have some sort of homosexual encounter at some point. Or more likely, number two, the writers know, and they just kind of are fucking with us a little bit. That one right there. They are baiting the dog. This is what they are doing, and it is, for me, who's not invested in the ship, delightful to see the writers do that kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge to the shipping fandom. Absolutely. Tom walks out. Greg just stands there. People walk by like, what the fuck just happened in there? (laughs) Greg assures them, hey, guys, it's good news. Don't worry. And then we have a hilarious scene where this actor tries to flip his desk back over, which the physical comedy there. Yeah, the, the, little noise, the little noises he makes at the end really tell me that he was not fully expecting that desk to flip over like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so funny. And if you've ever seen, we've talked about it before on this podcast, but if you've ever seen this actor on any of the late night shows or anything, he basically is just a character. Him. That's who this guy is. Yeah. So it probably was just as simple as the director saying, hey, uh, just try to flip that desk back over and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Cut to Kendall on his balcony with some friends. Nice balcony. He's on a FaceTime with Comfrey. Comfrey getting a lot of, a lot of time. A lot of airtime. This episode. A lot of airtime for Comfrey. And he's asking about his guest list for the party. She explains that 80% of his A-list are yeses and 15% are maybes. Kendall dismisses the maybes. He asks who's in. Comfrey goes on to list a bunch of people. And who does Kendall specifically want to know about? Uh, he wants to know about the sibs. Wants to know about his siblings. That's right. Comfrey says, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing they did not RSVP or anything. Kendall just says, fine, fine, fine. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, this is fucking matter. cool. This is fucking cool, Comfrey. Anti-fragile. And he tells her, How's this for leadership, Spencer? Buckle up. Yeah. Do your job. But, you know, 
Get your drink on. Get your buzz on. There are no boundaries if you're cool. Mission Control out. Shit's about to pop off. It's my birthday. Fuck you. Have you ever received instructions from like a superior of where whatever you do, you know you're going to get yelled at later? These feel like those instructions that if you don't party enough, you're going to get yelled at. If you party too much, you're going to get yelled at. No way you can win here. Just avoid his sight as much as possible. It's also like, just so anybody out there who's in a leadership position, so life lessons will lay. Don't mandate, never mandate fun. Yeah, Mandated fun does, doesn't work. Just never yeah. mandate fun. That's Set the fun circumstances works. for fun. Set the opportunities for fun. Don't order fun to occur in this time period in this location. Cut back to the office and Tom walks in and he gets pulled to the back of Logan's office. And Jerry explains that there might be a problem with Madison. Shiv explains that he sent Sherpas mm. and he's not coming. Logan seems pretty pissed. Carrie walks over and tells him, okay, you can see Logan now. It's funny. They're in the same room, but like they had to yeah. wait for Carrie to say, okay, he Power wants you broker. to come over now. Power broker. <laughs> yep. Logan says, um, tell them to fuck off. Logan says he's sending nobodies. And uh, did you notice this small detail that it's, Frank, yeah. the CFO of Waystar, yeah. was, well, he sent his CFO. Like, so, wait a second. So CFO, yeah, not nobody. Big deal. I, thought that was, I thought that was good writing to have yeah, him say that point. It was. Logan bellows. He's going to the party, isn't he? Where is he? Getting his nails done. Asshole whitened. <laughs> asshole whitened. It's not part of my usual party prep, but I'm not, I don't run Logan circles. I'll tell you this. This is Logan's been hanging out with the kids or he's on TikTok or something, because I, I think that's a, that's a, that, that asshole bleaching is a relatively new phenomenon in the popular, not to say people didn't do it before, but I think that talking about it pretty openly is a relatively new phenomenon. Not sure they did that back in the sixties. So Logan hip guy, yeah, that's what he's I'm saying. Aware. He's hip. Yeah. Probably got TikTok on his phone. Well, hey, this is why you date 30-year-olds. So you can get hip with the new generations. So you can understand what they're doing with the whole bleached assholes and things. Isolate that. Isolate. Yeah. There you go. Isolate that. <laughs> this is why you date 30-year-olds. <laughs> so you can know what they're doing with the asshole bleaching. Oh, God, please put that on a t-shirt. I'm here for you. Roman says they need to court him a little bit. Rogan says that's bad juju to start. Uh, uh, Logan says it's bad juju to start like this. Yeah. I don't disagree with him. I, I'm if, kind of, if you're starting a partnership, it's this is a bad way to start. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a... The guy later on says it's not a purpose, purposeful snub. But it's a purposeful snub. And that sets a tenor going forward. Oh, it certainly forward. is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Logan says they have other option. Frank has reached out to Nan Oh God, Pierce. <laughs> They're back. So, let me, let me pause here and yeah. throw it to you. I just gave your guy a lot of credit yeah. for the leadership he showed with the Tom. Go ahead and go ahead and smash him for this. Go ahead. I mean, the problem with Logan is that he knows how to win in the way he's won for years before. He's afraid of tech. He wants to defeat tech, but his comfort isn't that. And so his constant idea of how you win is just to consolidate and take over all of the legacy media sphere as much bye, as possible. Bye, 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 And buy him up. Buy him up. And to a certain degree, that's smart. Buying a foundation of what's now dirt cheap and dying can be useful if you have a springboard to go elsewhere. And get it, consolidating with the Pierces may not be a bad idea, but it isn't your winning move. It's collecting all of the survivors together under one banner, yours, to then move elsewhere. You can't lose the Gojo option. You need that kind of springboard to tech as much as you want to explore other ways to continue consolidating the now dying legacy media sphere. So... This is old Logan defaulting on his old, on his old priorities rather than 
focusing on where they actually need to go next. And he knows that. He's just pissed that this option is starting to, stu- you know, mess with him a bit. I'm known as a I'm known as a big media business tycoon, right? Yes, very I mean, much. I'm pretty so. much known as that. I, I have uh, absolutely deep understanding of the you, markets. You, and- you got an invite to Kendall's party. Absolute a lister, baby. Absolutely. I was one of the maybes. I was one of the maybes. I'll say this: I don't think going after Pierce is a good idea. I think I think that's a that's a it's dead a distraction. Fat yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. They're never going to sell. So just get just move on, Logan. Don't even don't even bring that up. I, if I I would have had a similar thought reaction of Shiv, I would not have said what Shiv is about to say. But I <laughs> thought that's always Shiv. true, right there. We're going after Pierce again, Frank. It's exciting. What he really sounds like he's got Monotone. a fire line, isn't he? They all leave, and Logan directs this at Shiv. The deal makes sense. It's a good deal, but he won't make the deal because he's an arrogant prick. Talking about Madison, we learn yes. later. Logan has a good read on this guy. Shiv, fine. Madison's an asshole. Fucking, of course he is. But do we burn our only parachute because of that? Here's the thing. Shiv always overstates the dire nature that they are in from a business perspective when talking to Logan. She, she shouldn't be saying... Exactly. She shouldn't be saying that this is our only parachute, our only way to, to survive. You sound when you say that, you make it sound like the 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 company is weak and in a bad position, what? potentially been managed poorly or whatever. It's an insult. That Tim. type of common. Yeah, exactly. Logan's going to take that as an insult. Well, it also makes your position look less legitimate because you inherently sound hyperbolic, even if it's true. You sound like you're you know not in yes. control, not actually offering a balanced critique of the situation. So people are going to discount you even if what you're saying has merit. If she took this more of a Jerry style of just slowly bring Logan around to the right point of view or present it in a perfectly calm, supportive voice, she could sell him on this being a good idea because he agrees he's just pissed. You talk him down, you don't dial him up. Shiv then says, we have a scale issue. Our streaming platform is for shit. This comes up again. <laughs> Apparently it is. And we... We have nothing that looks like growth. Nothing that looks like nothing that looks like growth in this entire company. I find that hard to believe. This gets us into streaming, sports betting, pretty important sports betting, social media, on and on. Logan looks either annoyed or overwhelmed. When Shiv goes into all of this, I feel like I think he's either mad or he's like, like that. She's throwing a lot of stuff at me: sports betting, social media, etc. That maybe he doesn't have a firm grasp on. Again, right. tech, not a big fan of. Shiv really establishing that this is the most important thing possible. Again, speaking hyperbolically, like you said. But she isn't wrong that this is a good direction they need to go in. Oh, I completely agree. Shiv's smart, and she's right about where the winds are going. She's just... Shiv continually sucks at the presentation, not necessarily the thought. Absolutely. Logan, Carrie, what was that thing you said about Madison? So again, pulling Carrie into the conversation, whereas before she used to be basically just a fly on the wall. Here's her take. Mm Mm-hmm. He thinks he's a genius. He's made one good piece of tech. Fuck him. I'm going to say this about people who've made one good piece of tech. <laughs> They're billionaires. It often works out for them really yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of case studies of people who come up with one really good piece of tech and it works great for them. Uh, so I'm not quite sure that's a reason to dismiss somebody. It's also a pretty uh, new piece of tech too. So it's not like you can necessarily say that this is the sum of his career at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Logan Bella uh, Shiv says, we appreciate your input, Carrie, in a way that indicates that she does not appreciate Carrie's input. Mm-hmm. But fuck him is not good tactics. L- Logan bellows that it is good tactics. Tactics. I just put in my notes, LOL, that Shiv would ever Shiv would ever think fuck him is a bad business move for Logan. It's his primary <laughs> it's business move. Yeah. 
Think, Fuck him is his go-to move. Yeah. Remember Logan at his most incapacitated? He was still able to say, fuck them. That's his, that is like, you know, id level Logan of everything else has been stripped away. Fuck them. And of course he takes up for that, right? Shiv then goes on to talk about Madison. Roman says they could, they could both do it. We could, we could go talk to Madison. Logan agrees. Fine. Don't go in too strong. This is a black box. And I don't want to overpay. Reasonable to concern. And I don't think Logan's off base with the concerns he has about Madison here. I think that's supported by what we see both later and in the previews for next episode. So, I dare say that he's got a pretty darn good read on Madison. Yeah, I think he does. He, he seems to have nailed it. Um, and it co- probably comes from years and years of working. I mean, think about how many of these acquisitions he's worked with and done yeah. over the years. I mean, we've already seen like five of them or something in the fucking series. Like, he does this a lot. He has a pretty good read on who this guy Madison is. Yeah. Shiv says, she's got it. Roman said, I got it. Uh, Eh, They're going to compete forever. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. It's exhausting. As Roman is leaving, Logan says, hey, hey, if you're going to the party, might as well give this. Pulls out an envelope to Kendall. It's an envelope. Roman puts it in his pocket. Roman asks Logan if he thinks Ken will like it. There's a shrug between the two of them and off walks Roman. Did you have any bets what was in that envelope? I think, no, I, you know, I, uh, I think if I was betting, I would have bet that it was some sort of like come back aboard thing. That, that was what I was thinking. I figured it was some kind of business proposition, but I figured it was to bring him in, not to cut him out entirely, which yeah, not I should have thought of that. Cause that is so much more on point for what they would want to do right now. Absolutely. And, uh, but it's a big deal because he's got to raise a lot of capital to buy Kindle out. It looks Two like. he's given, plus he's given, billion. he's given Kindle a lot. I mean, we already have established that, uh, if Logan cashes out, he would cash out at 10 billion. Mm-hmm. So Kindle apparently has about a fifth of the equity in this company that Logan has, which I find pretty fucking fascinating. Yeah. Honestly, Logan was pretty generous apparently with dividing up the ownership with his kids. Yeah, cut to the evening. We get succession string music. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. As Tom is getting out of the car to go in uh, with Shiv, Tom basically explains that he's a superhero now. I yeah. don't know if you know that. Uh, <laughs> senses are heightened. Awareness. Mm-hmm. Awareness at a 10. Mm-hmm. Strong mm-hmm. power bars. He's feeling good. Tom is definitely celebrating too early, right, Spencer? Did he pregame? Way too early. Yes, he's both A, he's celebrating way too early just because they actually don't know for sure what the FBI is going to do. And yes. watch, watch that blow up later in his face. Yes. Uh, and point number two, Tom gets high in this episode. I almost wonder yes. to what degree he started in the car. He probably was. I mean, it looked like they were they were being dropped off in a limo. He's probably drinking on the way there for sure. It looks like they were pretty. Well, this this crowd might have been drinking most of the day. Um, mm-hmm. I will say this, that it is very, very clear to me, having been a succession scholar for a oh, long yeah. time. Yeah, very much so. Yes, bravo. That these dumbasses are celebrating way too quickly about what? the Jerry told them. Logan told them. Way too quickly. He's, yeah. li- Tom is literally walking around like, it's a done deal. I'm never going to jail, period. Like, no, Tom, that's not what anybody told you. No, no. And let's see that shoe drop. because. There is a, there's been a criticism of this season, which I think has a certain degree of merit. I think it's getting a little what? bit hyperbolic. Bear with me. That plot development in terms of overarching show direction has been kind of idling or ultimately going nowhere. And there's some truth to that this season. This season's felt like a bit of much more let's focus on character studies and tread plot water rather than develop in exciting new directions. But... When it comes to this FBI one, people saying, well, the FBI plot went nowhere. It's just done. It's not going to go nowhere. 
we got two episodes after this to see that that's probably not going to be true. I don't think that's the case about the FBI. I think this is a red herring here. Um, cut to... Uh, oh, no, no. Before then, uh, Tom says he's going to get really fucked up. He says, is it okay? Yeah, she has, is it okay to get really fucked up? And she's like, you don't need my permission. How fucked up? So kind of do need her permission. Just Cut to Tom and Chip. Oh, and to answer that question, pretty fucked up. That's, Pre- that's how pretty fucked, fucked up. up. And wrong drugs, wrong work. Tom sucks at getting the order right on his drugs. We've seen this before. Man needs man needs a, sh- a drug Sherpa. He needs a trainer to get through this better. It, no, he doesn't. It's not complicated. You don't need a Sherpa. You don't need a book. He apparently does. It's not complicated does. at all. He's messed up it's, twice now. Look, kids, take it from Uncle Lee. If you're going to do drugs, this. if you're going to do drugs, and Please. I don't, I don't tell you, I don't, I don't not recommend endorsing you do. this. I don't recommend that you do. If no. you're going to do drugs, you do uppers first, downers later. You have whiskey landing gear for whatever upper that you took the beginning of the night. It's a pretty simple equation. It's two plus two equals four. Tom got it backwards. He drank first, uppers later. Don't ever do that. You flip it. Again, if you're going to do this type of thing, and I do not recommend you do so. Could you just like, yeah, I know you're on the A-list. I know you were you, you were invited to the party. Could you just send Tom a note? Because it's not complicated, but it's twice now he's messed this up. You'd have a much better time if he got this order straight. Cut to Tom and Shiv greeting Wyla and Connor. Wyla and Connor really do steal some scenes this episode. Wyla's on fire this episode. <laughs> What happened to her? Yeah, Connor looks to have an arm injury uh, and a coat on. And Tom introduces himself to Wyla as Tom Wamsgam's not going to prison. <laughs> uh, and also, small note, the actor had actually hurt himself. And so they incorporated this into the uh, the, the production. Oh, that's good. I love yeah. when they do that. That's a, a nice tidbit. Uh, yeah. that's, that's always that's always interesting uh, when they do that. Then someone tells them that they have to take their coats off and they have to give their phones up. Kendall wants his present. To be everyone being present. Yeah, that kind of already tells you what kind of party this is going to be. Yeah, they basically laugh that off. Shiv's yeah. like, yeah, you're going to have to tase us. Uh, Roman asked Connor what happened. Wyla, he had a fall. I'm going to say this about Connor. He's right. If you say someone had a fall, you make them you, sound you, old. Old and doddering, yeah. You really do. Uh, Connor says ranch stuff. But in reality, <laughs> he got a poll that put yep. him at almost 1%. Could've. And he tripped while drinking and celebrating. I, you know, Her- heroic stuff. Several people mock Connor for that poll in this episode, but what? Come on, if you and I got a one percent poll in a presidential election, we'd be over the fucking moon. He doesn't have a one percent poll. He uh, almost has a one percent poll. Rounding, rounding. Come on, give him that. I will say that if you're polling one percent nationally, there's something there. It's yeah. not. A, it's not nothing. That's name recognition, as he yeah. said. Elections right now are coming down to those kind of margins. A one percenter could have some influence. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Tom Wamsgam's <laughs> not going to prison. Yeah. Then somebody tells him that um, uh, after they if they laugh that off and after they talk about the uh, that he had a fall. Uh, I love during this entire sequence here that I've just I've just gone through. They do the classical music of Succession playing in the background, sort of they overlaid. Do. It really they really have a great way of keeping to their motifs no matter what's going on in the plot or no matter what's going on in particular episodes they keep mm-hmm. their motifs and i really like that it makes it uh it makes it grounded you know what you're watching it feels mm-hmm. familiar cut to them walking through what looks like a pink hallway yeah hmm. maybe a so, somewhat like a tunnel maybe a vaguely muscular tunnel kind of thing hmm. Ugh. 
Uh, Shiv, ask about tabs. That's a name I haven't heard in a million years. Do you, uh, let's just do a bit of history lesson for, for those who have forgotten in the two years since season two. Tabitha is the love interest of Roman. Sure. That yeah. That's it looked is. like, it looked like for eh, see episode and a half, there might be something there, him and yeah. Tabitha. Uh, and- that was before Roman got um, very, very interested in Jerry both professionally and personally. And I am not sure he spoke by his reaction and by what we've seen of Roman. I'm not sure he's spoken to Tabitha in two years. I, yeah, I, I would imagine or that our six level, months or whatever it is, our, our level of exposure to Tabitha probably is about equal to his. Yeah. Roman lies. This is going great. It's obvious Shiv knows that's bullshit. So she just keeps needling him and pushing him. Roman does call her boring and Shiv asks if he liked the intimacy. Great line here from him. I feel like you could have said this line. Yes, yes, I love the intimacy. I really love people getting to know me. Thank you. Yes, it's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that Call that. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, it feels, feels a little Spencer-y. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, of course I fucking love that. Just dripping with sarcasm. Spencer, question for you about the Please. episode. Answer honestly. Okay. Yes. You're a yeah. podcast professional I'm here, here for you. it to the people. Uh-huh. How do you think Shiv looks this episode? Fly. It's a she great... looks pretty darn good. It's I gr- got to say, they don't always, this is a, this is a beautiful actress. Uh, Sarah Snook, I believe is her name. Yeah. And they don't, they, they don't always dress her up. It's a lot of business casual going on with her. A lot of, a yeah. lot of like Nordstrom pantsuits or whatever, or the rich people equivalent. That she actually looks like she's young. She, she looks younger. Yep. She looks like she's going out for a good time. Her hair is sort of like uh, teased, I guess, is what they mm-hmm. could ta- call it. Uh, looking good. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, absolutely fair. She looks great. As you said, the actress is beautiful, but they really do kind of dress her down because she wants to look professional. She wants to be right. taken seriously. That's been a lot of the kind of focus. She starts out season one in just like giant frumpy sweaters because she's just not in the game at all. And then she goes right. hard business professional, which is nice looking but it's not exactly flattering on somebody for her here sells her perfectly yeah it's surprising to me that no one no one mentions this to her i thought it would be a good line for like maybe maybe it could have been roman it would probably would have worked for roman just <laughs> yeah, go, oh roman. You, oh look at you you finally look good for once something like mm-hmm. that spencer yeah congratulations you've just been born into the world of kindle Roy. oh dear god that is Ugh, we never it is had so fucking cringy. We never had any doubts that this would be a shit show. No one had any doubts that this would be just yeah, a nightmare of scenario. But I had no idea how quickly we'd just accelerate into the wall. Wyla, very funny moment. I is angry that, that she was not consulted about the performance art. I mean, I could have been consulted, but whatever. Immersive I, she theater. makes a good point. It's her yeah. thing. Damn it, Kendall. Like, you, well, this is a, a great opportunity to include her. Yeah, I would have included it, her for sure. Roman would have included her, I think. He's the more people person. Kendall, not great with the people and integrating them into his, his operations. Mm, nope, not really. Roman, I am repeatedly entering my mother's vagina. That's a thing he said. Repeatedly. Uh, he, as soon as he said it, he said, oh, maybe I, maybe I'm a bit too far with that. Um, yeah. Then he finally says, you're implying that uh, my mother's vagina is massive, so you might want to tighten that up. Cut to Tom and Greg greeting each other as two people not going to prison. Tom Wamsgams, free man, Gregory Hirsch, not going to prison. How are you? Mm-hmm. Greg's getting a lot faster. I like how much Greg is actually getting used to working off other people in conversations quickly now, and it's apparent during some of these scenes. He's growing. Our boy Greg is growing. Absolutely. Tom, look at you all gussied up, you slick little puck. I don't know what that means. Uh, Greg yeah. asked about Comfrey. Repeated. 
Oh, repeated yes. issue in this episode, repeated topic of this episode, Greg asking about Comfrey, and Tom laughs at his crush, but really throws dirt on it. Second part of the episode where I feel like the shippers might go a little bit crazy because he's going out of his way to throw dirt on this in a way that right. I don't think you really would for just a casual friend. He says she's out of his league. Spencer, why is why is he doing this? Why is he why does he say this? She's way out of your league, man. It's like a haunted scarecrow asking about Jackie Onassis. It's a suicide mission. We've seen before that he seems honestly uncomfortable with the idea of Greg succeeding in anything that doesn't immediately involve him or is under his wing. And so the idea right. that he's going for somebody that would, you know, further distance himself from him seems to just apparently find obje find objectionable. It's Again, everything about Tom's kind of weird, but this aspect in particular of wanting Tom, Greg to have no life outside of him just gets weirder. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't, I don't understand why he's doing this. He also throws in, um, you shouldn't even really be thinking about her. You're going to put her in a tough spot, which is a really offensive thing to say to somebody. Like basically, like you even asking yeah. is going to be a real bummer for her night. Greg explains that he's got it. Look, Tom, it's okay. I got an opening approach. You're like a fascinating book I'd like to crack open. Okay. Now, Spencer, Score you've not been Score on the market it. for you've not been on the market for ten years. I'm gonna I'm gonna say if you got back on the market by some by some uh twist of fate, yeah. you can save this one? No, no. Even I, even got I it. incompetent it. that I am, lucky that I'm in a relationship that I am, knew that that one was a rough sell. That one's not gonna bring anything home to market. And I wanted to ask it you. It might though. Here's the thing, it might. 10-point scale, what would you score this? Too comfort. If he'd actually said that too comfort, what would you score? A sneaky five, and here's why. Seriously? Yeah, absolutely, because here's the thing about dating that I, I realized, um, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but this is just my experience, is that you have to stand out. Yeah. You've got to be different in some way. Like you mm -hmm. have to have to, like you have to be memorable because good looking women like Comfrey meet a million men who are interested in them on a daily basis. Like it's sure. a world full of people who want to be with her. Well, how are you going to stand out? And something like that is probably something she's not heard before. Is it completely ludicrous? Of course it is. But she'd probably stop and go, what, 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 what was that? <laughs> At so, least you get a moment, right? So it's a sneaky five. So here's Lee endorsing the change up pickup line. Doesn't matter if it's actually successful or not. The fact that it's different is its selling point. Well, if you're Greg and you need something, right? You're not going to stand out just on your own. I mean, what, if you look like fucking Cal Drogo, you don't need this line. But if you Let, look like Greg, maybe you need something to stand let's out. Let's be fair I like how you put it—a change-up. Give me, give me, give me sixty-three miles an hour on the corner. Uh, let's also be fair to Greg and the actor that plays Greg. Not a bad-looking guy. I think they overemphasize that he's just the ugly one of the group. When in reality, he's pretty normal-looking. He, yeah, he is normal-looking, but. She's pretty good looking. I do yes. think it. Yeah. But anyway, Tom laughs and Greg asks how Tom got Shiv quote here from <laughs> Tom. I've got a dick like a red Sequoia and a fuck like a bullet train. Just going to point out. We know that none of that is true. Uh -huh. We know that he got her because he's a lap dog and that's exactly what she wanted out of a man. And he just happened to be the lap dog that she found in the pet store that day. I don't think that there's anything special that Tom did. I think he was selected by Shiv. Because she wanted that type of guy and that type of lifestyle. Spencer, your thoughts? I very much agree. I think that's a perfect read about what she was looking for. I think she probably had a bit of a partying kind of college time. And then she wanted somebody that was stable, safe, reliable, and could never hurt her. And in a way that her father never could. And I think she found that in Tom. And the peak 
We're at the top of the Shipper Mountain, folks. This, it oh, doesn't yeah. get any far. You don't get any higher than this. Not in this episode. <laughs> yep. Tom says, I have a dick like a red sequoia and a fuck like a bullet train. And Greg says, prove it, which confuses Tom and made the <laughs> internet go insane. Yeah. Made yeah. everybody go crazy. The, the number of gifts I've seen now of this scene of just people freaking out over it is just out, out of context. You, you could see this in a certain light. This was Greg saying, pull it out, right? I don't think he literally wanted him to do so, but I think he was basically just calling him out on his bullshit. And he did it twice in the conversation. I liked Greg basically just saying, well, what about you and Shiv? She's the more attractive of the pair. How'd you make that work? I don't know. I think, uh, I I don't know, man. I think that he uh, absolutely was saying, pull it out. I do. I I think he was saying, I think you're lying. So pull it it out right now. Right now. Mm -hmm. This is like middle school. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That's what he was saying. Uh, it, it successfully catches Tom off guard and he just kind of walks away. Cut to Tom and Shiv walking out onto the dance floor. Uh, my man of the yip, my man of the pounce. Mm. Woo! Schoolboy Q. Love that song. Hmm. What what man of the yip? What man of the pounce? Shiv asks Roman where Madison is. And Roman suggests that they go say hey to Ken just to get it out of the way. Let's just go do that. It is his birthday. man of the pounce? Apparently, he's in the VIP. It's going to shock you. He's in the VIP room. Cut to Ken talking to Naomi, sort of mumbling about how epic everything is. He's still, I'm going to point, I I got the, like, the shit, I got the the Kindle, like, meter going, right? Okay. Still in a good mood here. Yeah. But but it's it's, starting to fade. I think he's at a B minus now. It's getting forced. Maybe B or B minus. I'm going to talk about, I have a. I have an overarching overarching theory about Kindle that I'm going to talk about. Um, I don't think it's quite the time to do it yet, but I will say that he's starting to fade a little bit. I think your read is, is absolutely spot on. Yeah. He comes up and says, who let you guys in? Talking to, to Shiv and Roman, who, who let you guys in? This is friends only. Shiv, shouldn't it be empty then? Roman, oh. beat me to it. Beat me to it by one second. This was still cute. This was still siblings having fun bickering and everybody's having fun, even if that was a pretty cutting line. We don't, yep. only, this is the last moment we kind of have that. Roman says he's only there to watch Ken crash and burn. Ken this, then uh, comes in and gives him a hug. Uh, this is the line we get from Roman. This is what I referenced earlier in the pod. You're sure you're only 40? You look like shit because the actor Jeremy Strong is much older than 40. No, Ken he actually isn't. I, I double checked. He's 42. He? he looks a lot older than 42. Yeah, well, he's two years older than 40 anyway. He yeah. does look older than 40. Uh, Roman... Uh, uh, Ken then looks at Shiv and asks if she got him a card. Quote, I'm disappointed because he usually write me such lovely letters. I'm going to nominate mm. that for potential line of the episode. That was a good cut. Very good one from Ken there. And nice call back to what he said, which is, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get past this. Shiv fires back that she couldn't find one that says both happy birthday and get well soon. All right. I'm going to do this right now. Please. Um, you know, obviously this, this is a, uh, a topic that that is near and dear to me, but I, I just think it's, they go out of their way in this episode to show that no matter what the fuck Ken does, he can't get away from people either making fun of him or referencing his addiction issues. It's constant in this episode. He gets it from every fucking angle except Naomi and it's not fair. We don't see Ken doing any drugs this episode, nor have we seen him doing any episode, any drugs this entire season. And I don't think he's doing any drugs this entire season. I think he is drinking in this episode. Um, but as far as the hard drugs that you saw before, I honestly think he's cut back a lot of that. And I just don't, I, I, I just going to say this out to the world. 
If you've got somebody in your life who struggles with addiction, how about you not mention it every fucking time you talk to them? And I don't, I don't blame Ken for getting bummed out and getting resentful because it, he get, he's getting it from every fucking angle this episode. What, um, but of it, course, Shiv's an asshole. But I, I, I put it there because we're going to get more of it. If it was only this, I wouldn't have gone on that rant. But we get more of it later. It, it seems like it's the... His siblings, when they want to hurt him, know that they can always return to that. That it is their go-to open wound that they can just prod. And it's really mean and it's really unfair, but they're all assholes and nobody gives a shit. Yeah, it's I mean it's like but it but but fundamentally it's a it's a crazy thing to be making fun of somebody for. It's like yeah. hey, like, hey, Spencer. You fucking diabetic. Look at you dumb diabetic ass. Like, uh, what are you eating sugar today? Like, it's a medical condition. He has yeah. a medical condition. He's an addict. He's sought treatment for it. He deals with it on a daily basis. Trust me, he hasn't forgotten that he's an addict. How about you shut up about it? But Shiv is not that type of person. She's not going to do it. But that doesn't stop Ken from stopping and saying, look, I'm glad you came. It says a lot. Shiv has to ruin the moment. It was a 10 minute drive. Shiv, give me a hug before you start weeping. Ken then approaches Connor. Seems genuinely excited to see Connor. Connor's the only one there. Of excitement. Hey, you made Con it. Hey, you know that. Connor like actually wanted to be there. Thing. Yes, absolutely. There was a familial thing going on there, but Ken can't get over the coat. Says, "Why well, I got a coat on?" Can I ask you about the coat? Because I don't understand the coat. The coat is a repeated thing in this episode that I feel is important, but I don't get it. Other than Kendall just it's desperately needing control. No, it's not. I don't think it's about Kendall needing control. I think it's about Kendall seeing that no one there, pretty much no one, is willing to do the slightest nice thing for him. Like no, no like even when he says thank you for coming, Shivs, because I didn't. I, basically, I didn't come for you. We learn. He learns absolute and concrete later that they didn't come for him. No one is doing it's his birthday and well, he doesn't get a single nice, kind gesture from people. I think what he's hoping for is like, uh, I think in his mind, he's thinking just uh, something. I'm just asking fucking something and you won't even fucking do this for me. Let's give Connor some credit. Connor has no pre has no set up self-serving notions for why he's there today. He just wanted to be there for his brother's birthday. And I think that should get some credit. And also... If you want to wear a fucking coat, let him wear a fucking coat. He's an of older course. guy. Of course. Of course he should be able to wear a coat. I'm in, not arguing. In Kendall's yeah. head, I agree that this is, he's focusing like, on the minutia. I, I, of course he should be able to wear the coat. Of course this is stupid. But I think in Kendall's mind, it's like, it's representative of the fact that everywhere he turns, people aren't willing to do just the slightest, nicest thing for him. That it, truly, no one fucking likes him. Like, around everywhere. And that's well, what he's, he's seeing, and that's what he's noticing. Siblings are all going to point that out here in a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Cut to Roman, who says Ken should have gotten uh, permission before using their mom's vagina. Ken, what, what, from a, like a copyright perspective? I mean, well, it's just, you know, call me old fashioned, but I think you should ask before you construct a giant replica of someone's vagina. No, Ken. Roman, relax. Yes, you can take it home. Very funny. <laughs> Roman does the yes. That I was, that. that was my favorite. That was my favorite familial moment of the episode, right? Yeah. There. That was a funny line, quick witted from Ken. Roman seemed to appreciate it. It does, it go, it's all downhill from here, folks. It's all downhill from here. Quickly. Quickly. Shiv says, go on. Tell us who's here. Ken, who isn't? Then they list off everyone who isn't here. Your mom, your dad, your wife. Not true. Uh, Ex-wife is there. Kids. Um, Roman, any real friends? That's the cutting <sighs> one. I mean, busy it's people. True. Sure. 
she indicates Stewie is there, which is fascinating. I find it. I, I, I'm, I am heart. There's a lot here to be depressed about in this episode. Yeah. There's a lot to be sad. But Spencer, you know about me. What do I like to do? I like to find the positive in things. In fact, it drives you up a fucking wall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That that through this whole fucking takeover craziness weirdness, Stewie is still kind of his buddy and yeah. is still at his party, and I think that's kind of cool. Yep. So your your points in Kendall's favor so far this episode are that his older brother showed up and that Stewie is present. We just never see him. I'm not. Uh, let me let me get let me get some straight here. I'm not g- g- trying to like to. This is not an episode where I'm like, oh, let let's do the let's do the scorecard. <laughs> I with know, Ken. man. There's I nothing think Ken here. Gets, I think Ken gets destroyed this episode, but I do think that like the fact that he's able to stay friends with Stewie is kind of cool. It it's is. Like a, it but is. You, but it is searching for the silver lining among a buck bucket 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 and bucket of shit. Just a bunch of buckets of shit. Mm-hmm. She casually throws out that Madsen and uh, Madsen's there and Kendall does confirm that he is. I don't, I don't think it's quite connected for Kendall yet. Why she asked that question. I think he's just talking. Uh, Ken then says he has something to show them. So they all follow Roman then hands Ken the letter, tells him it's from dad and him. Go ahead. Okay. Just a question. Among the people she says, she asks, is Luke's messing there? She also asks, is Lawrence Yee there? Is Lawrence Yee's here too, right? Isn't Lawrence the guy that owned Valter? Isn't he the Lawrence guy? Is. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's actually present or you think she's just poking him with that one? Or just I using an that's obvious a, I th- cover? I think that's a red herring. I think she yeah. wants to know about Madison, but she's got to mention someone else. Just wanted so to make sure. It's not just him. So yeah, absolutely. No chance is Lawrence at that party. Yeah. Maybe not, but he also is Low a pretty chance. self-serving guy. If he thinks he could meet someone that, you know, he's not there. I'll tell you this. He's not there for Kendall. Fair, I fair, would fair. bet, I would bet that Stewie is 60% there for Kendall. That, that from what I could tell. That's fair. He's I, probably, Stewie, uh, as much as anybody there, except for Naomi, he's probably there for Kendall. Stewie actually likes Kendall in a way that sadly few other people do. Uh, I like him. Kendall then uh, says he consulted with Gladwell. So I guess he called Malcolm Gladwell about this, um, this would. thing that he does here. More psychobabble. And then he leads them into a room with headlines. Uh, big newspaper headlines. They are media people after all. Yeah. Up on walls about each of them. So it starts with Kendall that says like he's been like elected emperor of the universe or something. But one the important part of that is that the, the, the top line is chairman of Waystar. Yeah. Kendall Roy, chairman of Waystar. Shiv's headline is wife of Tom Wamsgams arrested in sweep of city streetwalkers. Now that one That's is funny. so stupid. And yeah, I feel like that one is it's actually off the wall. good natured. That one's good natured. I don't view that as like super cutting Roman failed sibling dies in tragic jerk off accident. Roman does not seem to care about this. He says, not a bad way to go. And now you have people in here picturing me jerking off. So who's the real winner? And again, the that one that's the one that get the person who gets mad and you could, you could predict this is Connor. Yeah. And Connor's feels less fun than the other two. Connor's feels a little bit more like let's make fun of history kind of thing in a way that as Connor points out, is really kind of a douche move. Yeah. It says Connor Roy elected president of shitting his bag. Connor's response. What if McCartney tweets this jokes are all very well. And come on, man, I'm breaking through. He then speaks up. Uh, Will then speaks up. Uh, Wyla then speaks up and says, Connor is pulling very close to 1%. Roman and Kendall make fun of 1%. Speaking for a man. He explains. Uh, Connor explains that that's 4 million people. Way to round up. That would assume there's 400 million people in America. There is not, but that's a way to round up. Nice. <laughs> also, you know, voters too, but let him have his moment. Let him have his moment. Whatever. 1% still impressive. Yeah. 
Connor then wonders aloud who will come crawling first, Merkel, begging for me to save democracy. Well, it's not going to be Merkel. I mean, she's, this was, when was this written? Yeah, Merkel's, Merkel's out. Yeah. Uh, or Soros serenading me from the trees. Robin then points out he did want shit his bag, and Connor fires back with an absolutely cogent point. Yeah. I only did that because I took the two of you camping when dad couldn't be bothered. And if that is true, and I suspect that it is, I think it's telling about what Connor's role is, was with them when they were growing up, which was when dad isn't going to do something that he should be doing as a father, I'll step in as a big brother and do it. And he should yeah. get a lot of credit for doing those things. We now have, I'm assuming these are, these are two separate moments because we have Roman talk about, you know, his one good memory growing up was going on a fishing trip with Connor. Yes. And now we have uh -huh. that he took up both, uh, uh, took both Roman and Kendall out camping together. This is a yep. good big brother who was giving them the kind of growing up experiences that they otherwise never would have had. They're, they're working in that detail and, 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 and they're doing a couple things here. One is they're, they're recognizing the age difference, right? Yeah. And they're, they're, they're putting that out to us and saying, we know there's a big age difference. Like, look, here we go. We've put it into the writing, but they're also now establishing that like Connor was actually a really good big brother. Um, yeah. And that's good. I think they're, I think they're setting up for that to be important somehow to the narrative. Yeah. The age difference isn't as large as it is in real life. Cause in real life, Alan Ruck is like 23, 23 years older than Jeremy Strong, but it's still like 15, 20 years kind of thing. Yeah. 15. I think, I think he's playing like 55 or something maybe. Uh, so yeah. like maybe 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and he screams out, I ate some bad fucking fish. This is bullshit. He's getting into his Logan mm. in Connor's rage. Shiv laughs and Ken, Ken shout out to Ken here. Says, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Con. It was a joke. I'm taking it down. Can you take it down? Can we please take it down? Can we take it yeah. down? Please take and, it down. It was a joke. I'm sorry. And that Connor's, was a good way to handle that. And it was. And Connor seems to appreciate it and calms down pretty quick. It's like, this is bad. I want an apology. And Ken promptly offers it. Because as we often argued before, Kendall's a douche, but I don't think he actually means to hurt people generally. Certainly not Connor. And he says he has yeah. to circulate. Here's a quote from him. It's a great night. I'm happy you're here. Uh, Fucking that's... best birthday ever. That's legitimate. I think he really does feel that and makes the knife just twist in all the deeper later when he realizes why two thirds of the. I think at this point, he really thought that despite everything that's going on, my siblings showed up and he feels really good about that. And that's just a big crash later. Cut to Kendall walking through a room that has screens playing fire. Ken takes the note out of his pocket that Roman gave him. And it's a birthday card that has happy birthday marked out. And it says cash out and fuck off. And then he sees there's also a term sheet in there for a stock purchase. So what this is, is Logan and it, it and seems Roman. to be working with Roman yeah. have offered to buy in cash all of his stock, which would effectively remove him from the company. With for Kendall just says, wow, plus. wow, wow. For two yeah, we get the plus. number later. No, it's, it's, it's on the card. It, it is on the, it is written oh, down okay. in the details with further details to follow. But you, sir, you're in this situation. We get the characters debate it later. Naomi mentions it later. This may not be a bad idea. Would you recommend to Ken to take the money and fuck off? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would because I would, uh, I, I, I wouldn't just like go to a farm and do nothing. Um, I think that Ken, for reasons I'm going to talk about here soon, uh, needs to work. It is important that he has something to work toward a goal when he gets up in the morning every day, a thing to invest himself and get some self satisfaction and pride in doing i just don't think that that future is not waystar i think he can do it somewhere else he could do it potentially by starting his own company with two billion dollars or buying a company or whatever but i think he should do that but i just don't think it should be a waystar 
Absolutely, 100% agree. And think about it. Who's the happiest of the, of, of, of the Roy siblings? It's Connor, because he got the fuck out. Kendall, Absolutely. follow the example and chart your own path, dude. I'm not sure he's going to do it, though. Cut to Comfrey, and Greg comes up to her. First of two Greg-Comfrey interactions of the episode. I did enjoy Mo- Greg and Comfrey. Most awkward of the two, I would say. I would say. She tells him someone there. Uh, uh, she tells someone that there's a line to the treehouse that needs to be fixed. Apparently, there's not supposed to be lines to the treehouse. Comfrey then tells Greg she's happy she ran into him because I may have to brief the press against you. Greg's reaction? Uh, the whole press? <laughs> Fair question. Fair question. Comfrey explains that Kendall is going balls to the wall, probably his term, and he's on the other team. But she'll try to keep it targeted rather than terminal. Oh, that's sweet. Thanks, Comfrey. Just Greg so nice. then gets an idea to do a Southern guy's like an old, like plantation, like Georgian accent. It, it, it was Thank that you kindly, the, ma'am. It, it was that plus a little Texas. It was mixed. It was it was hitting a few notes. That's very kind of you. How can I possibly repay you? You're such a kind maiden for such. A, and at this point, Comfrey what are you doing? at him and walks away because he seems to be broken. He seems yeah. to be a tape player, um, some sort of computer that's fritzed out. Like you, you, you dropped your iPhone in the in the sink and this man water had a stroke. And just spazzing. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be what's going on. She smiles at him and walks off. Cut to Ken with Naomi. He pulls out the card and term sheet that Logan gave him. Naomi then asks the number. Kendall says two bill, which I, you pointed out was on the extra term sheet. I didn't see it. I thought we just got it at this moment. But nonetheless, it's revealed to the audience to Bill. But it's a mind game. He's worried I'm not going to let him keep living rent free up here. Oh, and fuck him too. <laughs> Naomi clearly likes this idea of the buyout. Uh, yeah. Which is the idea of Ken taking it. And Ken does not immediately reject it to her. I will say this about their relationship. There's a couple times in this episode where Naomi pushes back on him. And when she does, Ken softens. He yeah. clearly, really, really likes her. Um, and, she likes him, and she likes him too. There's a couple moments I wanted her to push back earlier and more, but as you said, when she does, he's immediately responsive to it. They've got a, they've got a, a nice, they have a relationship which is meaningful to both of them in a way that they probably both need. A hundred percent. Maybe I refuse to engage. Mindgate that motherfucker. Ken then starts talking about all the stuff he'd buy with his $2 billion, starting with a rock the size of Gibraltar or I don't know, whatever he says. Uh-oh. And petty Ritz shit Carlton. for his dad. Yeah, and petty shit for his dad. Cut to Ken and Naomi walking and Comfrey comes up and she wants to know where Madison is because Shiv and Roman have been asking for a place to meet him. And this is when it starts to click Wheels for Kendall. Turning. What's going on? You can see yep. him really internalizing what Comfrey says here. Cut to Shiv and Roman going to the treehouse. Oh, so, look. Yeah. Look. Defend the treehouse. I don't sir. hate the idea. I don't hate the idea of the treehouse. I think that's pretty cool. I, I'm not in. I'm not in. I'm well, not you don't as far. Like, you don't like parties. Like you don't, you're not like you would never have a party with like 300 people. In it. Good so, like, God. No, absolutely yeah, not. So, like, you're out on the entire concept, but if you're I'm in the 15%. It, yes. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a pretty cool thing. You have a treehouse. I mean, it, the whole point of this is like, like a, a visual representation of Kendall's life. And he recreates his childhood treehouse in the club. That's pretty cool. So you don't buy into Roman's interpretation of what this is a Roman's opinion on the treehouse. No. Uh, which, Security stops Roman uh, and Shiv uh, as they're going to the treehouse and Ken pops out. Roman asks him to be let into his mental disorder, which Mm -hmm. we'll talk about later. Ken, uh, the thing is the treehouse is cool and you're not cool. Mm. Basically, Mm. Shiv, the coolest grown man's treehouse I've seen in quite a while. So she's just 
bang, 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 fire. Ken then pulls them aside and says, look, I got to be discreet. There's celebrities here. But if you're in the treehouse, it wouldn't feel like a treehouse. You know, you're a Nazi lover. You're a Nazi lover. Reference to who they are actually going to endorse yep. in the GOP primary from the previous episode. This probably does hit shift pretty hard because she certainly doesn't like this fucking guy. And she does think he's a little bit Nazi. And Kendall Just goes on to say, I'm a defender of liberal democracy. Yeah, sure like. you are, Ken. Roman then asks him bluntly if they are getting in to see Madsen. Ken then asks if that's the only reason they are there. Roman says, who cares? And then Ken knows. Yeah. He says, high quality personal conduct from you two. Really, really top rank. Really good. Really good, guys. Thanks. So that is, uh, we are now firmly on the descent from Kendall, but this is not the moment that really triggers him to change. This is not it. Uh, but we're we're close to it. This, this, this set him up to make the next moment hurt all the more. Yeah. Shiv tries to reframe it as something they could help him with. Either they strike out and it's no skin off his back or they close the deal and Waystar becomes more valuable and you get even richer. Roman, you're welcome, by the way. Kendall, I have to weigh that against the consideration. Very valid point here, Spencer. Yeah. That yeah. there are no losers, no losers allowed in the treehouse. So. Is he that? I gotta weigh that against that. I gotta ask: Is he purposefully acting like a ten-year-old in terms of his reasons for not letting them in? Is this like a a hat he's putting on, or is he actually regressing a bit? No, I think he's. I think it's an an attempt at humor. Okay. Um. I mean, I mean, because the way he set it up, I have to weigh that against the fact that you know it's six setting up a joke. Yeah, he's he's sticking in the tree. He's he's standing in front of a treehouse. He has to act like it's a treehouse. He's not letting them into. I understand. Roman then tries to make a break for it, and the security guard stops him. Kendall then tells him that they both are not allowed. Thanks for the offer, Rome. Great head fuck from you and dad. Great. Ken doesn't know it, but this really sparks a conversation between Shiv and Roman. Um, Rome says he and dad worked it out. So apparently the buy is coming from him and Logan. It's not just a, it doesn't seem to me, you tell me what you're in impression is doesn't seem to me that this is Logan saying, I've got $2 billion in a bank, Ken, I'm going to buy your stock. It seems to me to say, Logan and Roman together are, are going this. to be buying your $2 billion of stock. That was my impression. Yeah. And Roman's very purposely vague in the details. He does not want to talk about this with Shiv, but that was my impression. That this is a deal. The two of them have worked out for their benefit. Yeah. And he says, well, it's just a name on a piece of paper. So Roman's name is on the paper. That's why I think it's important to point out. It's something, something he is a part of this for sure. Shiv really doesn't like that. Wants to know oh, yeah. she can be the name on the piece of paper. Why can't I be the name on the piece of paper? Because you didn't work out the deal. Now, cut to Ken going up to Lucas Madsen. My man, my myth, my fucking monolith. Woo. It, Ken. Skarsgård, wonderful actor. Great to see how they've just been bringing in great actors for like one-off or two-off episodes. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's going to be in the next one too. Mm. Ken tells him, you still haven't figured out your socials yet. Basically, you're, you still haven't figured out how to operate socially. You should get your algo guy to fix your code. Joking that he's a robot. Pretty funny. Listen up, okay? My siblings, they're looking for you now. He then uh, says maybe he needs to find a more exclusive space. It's Madsen talking, like a crawl space or something. Ken goes, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. He blames Logan for this, and Madsen says, well, I can't say anything. Even the look on my face is commercially sensitive. So this guy they're establishing is a royal douche. Oh, he yeah. is a douchebag. For yeah. sure. This guy sucks. Don't get distracted by the fact that Ken also sucks. This guy sucks. This guy sucks maybe even more than Ken, because Ken doesn't mean to suck. This guy weaponizes it. Ken, but it makes no sense, right? Like Amtrak buying Tesla? Like, if anything, you should buy them, which is stupid. He obviously doesn't have the capital to do such a thing, Madsen. 
you think, huh, well, I really appreciate your impartial read, which whatever. I mean, you, you can, if you want to, you can, you can look at it both ways, right? You can say, well, I, I'm not going to listen to anything he says because he's complete conflict of interest. Or you can say, fuck, he's the ultimate insider and I'm getting some insight into what he thinks. So maybe that's valuable. It, I don't know. You can look at it like, either way. It seems like very few people on this show like to hide what their motivations and thoughts are and like, you know, put on a polite front to learn more. doesn't seem like many people like to operate around here. Ken then hears from Comfrey that Rava wants to say hi. Ex-wife is there, actually. Ken, not right now, when I'm ready. Ken then asks, which, but you know, sounds really fucking douchey, except that the very next moment we see him, he's going up to Rava. So I don't know if how, I don't know, you don't know a sense of the timing, right? He could have waited pretty quick. I think pretty quick. But it seems to me like he immediately went to Rava. And if that's the case, then that line, not now when I'm ready, you can kind of disregard because he basically did just go right to her. I'm having a conversation. I need to finish it. Yeah, Ken then ask what I can, what can I get for you? Uh, and this is a classic Spencer line. We've heard this from Spencer many, many times in social situations. Privacy, mm-hmm. pussy, pasta. This is a, a just a classic go-to for you, right? I'm okay with many of those things. Yes, probably Ken wouldn't then... ask you to bring them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Three P's of life for, for Spencer. <laughs> Ken then sets up uh, w- with Reese, uh, who Ken claims is some sort of dark web master. "Quote: He's not a good guy." Enjoy. So I guess maybe he's got a drug dealer there. Or maybe, you know, he's got prostitutes around or something. Um, whatever it is. Ken seems to think it's really cool, but yeah. No. Wow. I, wow. This guy has prostitutes and a drug dealer. He's the only person who ever done that before. Yeah. Mm. Ken then walks up to Rava. Here is the scene I want to talk about. Please. I've got Please things do. to say. I've got things to say. I want to hear them. Should I, should I do the recap first or should I say, point out my thoughts? What do you, do, which, which would you rather hear? Uh Give me your thoughts, honestly. With your thoughts, we'll unlock the recap as we go. Okay. Um, here's the thing. I established myself as the Rava Whisperer on this podcast in episode one. <laughs> You've claimed this title, yes. Yeah. I said, you know what? I think Rava might be the only good person in this fucking show. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, I was pretty sure of it. I was like, you know, she's the only person who seems to come at things reasonably. She seems kind of kind. Um, <laughs> I... Lee, podcaster that I am, fully rescind every single comment I made about Rava in that previous episode. Rava is sucks in this conversation. She sucks. I strongly think she was really, really mean to Ken in this episode for no fucking reason. And it makes me wonder, why did you go? If you you're if you get there and you're so put off with it when you walk through the door that the only thing you can say to him is I want to say hi before everyone gets high. That's the first thing out of your mouth. Why are you fucking there? Well, Don't partic- go, Rava. You, you've mentioned people talking about drug use before. That is one of Rava's most repeated things. And there's a reason for it. She had to endure it probably more than anybody else. But it is definitely one of her just things she likes to poke and joke about and emphasize every almost every conversation with Ken. Yes, but she knows that this is his big night. She even goes on to mention later, like, why? Well, maybe I should have done this during your night. Like... She, why does she come just to, just to say, Hey, I want like, first off, there's a couple of things she could have done, right? One, don't fucking come. That'd been a great idea. And two, if you come, don't like push to see Ken. She's pushed to see him mm-hmm. just so she can fucking say this nonsense to him. Like, I think Rob is absolutely out of line here. And it, it is the moment. I think where Ken completely flips in this episode and he it, changes. It, it isn't Rava. It's the, it's, it, I, it's not, I don't think it's intended as a weapon. I really don't think it's intended as a weapon, but good God, is it a bomb dropped on top of them? The revelation that 
she brought a present from the kids. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, no, I don't think it's, I, I just think that the entire interaction with Rob is the thing that, that does eventually flip him. And I'm going to do the recap and then I'm going to talk about that this flipping of Ken. So Please. he walks up to her and she says, I just want to say hi before everyone is too high. Um, my notes, ugh, 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 all caps. Ken then mentions the tiny Wu-Tang Clan, which by the way, Sign me up for the Tiny Wu-Tang Clan. I'm kind of sold I on Tiny Wu-Tang. that. M- Why? More, but- more so than Billy Joel crucifixion, crucif- crucifixion. I wasn't into that. But Tiny Wu-Tang, I'm in. I want to check that out. And she gives him a face that's like, uh, like everything he says about this party or everything that she says about this party, she drips with judgment. And it's all negative. When he says this, she gives her a, he gives her such a look that he goes, but well, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. It seems it, it's funner than it looks. It's funner yeah. than it sounds like basically that's how that's the look that she's giving him. He flips and he gets angry because he's like, God damn it. You, you come to my party, you push to see me and you are just mean to me. That's what, she, what she's doing. She's being mean. So he fires back and he basically calls her guy idea of a good time. Lame, which is pasta Alfredo, three glasses of wine before lights out at 11. And I'm with her. See, it actually sounds really nice. Of course it does. Yeah. But for every human it does. And that, I think that Ken even noted, notices that when he gets it out of his mouth. That's why he recoils after he says it. And he's like, fuck. I, I, said I think it's stupid. what Ken actually wants. He just doesn't know how to get it. Yeah. It's basically what he what he asked for later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that uh, that actually sounds pretty nice. At this point, she's pissed him off. So he's ready to go. He's ready to rumble. Fuck you, Rob. Uh, they are, they've, and... they've flipped back into wife ex, or, uh, ex-husband, ex-wife territory, and now they're just punching at each other. Well, it's really can... more him just punching and her just taking it because it makes him look more like the asshole. Uh, she, th- this is the thing about Rava, though, is that is she doing big demonstrative insults? No, but there are a hundred microaggressions in this ep- in this in this uh, interaction that she does with him. Faces that she makes, undercutting Fair. him, Fair. Um, being outright rude in her responses. Uh, like she she starts right out, goes, "Oh, oh Ken, Ken is here." Um, Ken, uh, Kendall or not Ken? What was his Gary? Guy's name? Gary. Gary. Yeah, Ken um, postulates does this guy even have any 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 genitals she says yes he does um so uh, ken's rude here obviously but uh, i again i think that she kind of started it she's not much better where do we get rava says happy birthday but then she says the kids made something for him rava says she gave it to one of the people and they said it would come to him eventually he asked what it looks like and she very helpful very helpful rava this entire sequence says it's a present that's wrapped Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. She, she gets there. She gets there eventually. It's bu- bunnies, bunny wrapping paper, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. Well, it, could could she sound like she cared less about the fucking present than how she fucking sounds in this interaction? Yeah. It, she yeah. really frustrates me. Ken tells her he might be getting out of the firm. I don't even know why he opens this conversation with her, but he, he does. He always uh, she gives says him, this to her. It is one of his default she, things. She gives him a look like, I don't give a fuck. And she says, that's great. Maybe then they'll stop sending their goons to the park to talk to the nanny about how unstable you might be. This Tire clearly screech. upsets Kim. Yep, absolutely upsets Kendall, as it should. He says, sorry. Obviously, that, it, that I'll give Kendall credit here. He does pump the brakes and talks to her like a like a partner Human. with kids, yep. right? Uh, well, no, more like a partner with kids. Uh, he says, sorry, obviously, that's not cool. I'll handle it. I'm sorry. Rava, I didn't mean to on your birthday and he says you didn't mean to burst my birthday bubble well congratulations because you fucking did you came in here you were rude you were awful 
Ken grabs a 40. He's got, he's 40. He's got 40s. 40, 40. Get it? Uh, Says, give my love to Steve. I mean, Gary or whatever, you know, standing white guy name, boring guy. And then Ken walks away. Now, at this point, the episode has slipped. Ken's in a terrible mood. I will now give my theory about Kendall Roy. You ready for this? Waiting for it. Yeah, Kendall Roy. Yeah, Kendall Roy is manic depressive. Uh, he's he's got bipolar disorder. We've got evidence and, for that. Yeah, and they they're really they're, they're uh, there's been there's been a lot of breadcrumbs to this. I've thought about this in previous episodes, but I didn't think we had enough to fully do the diagnosis right until now. But I think they've given us enough that we're supposed to infer that that's what he's got going on. The the high that you saw in the first couple episodes where you equated it to drug use, and I was saying he's not doing drugs. I don't know why we're saying. What that was was a manic episode, yeah, and he, he got that manic. He got that man- mania after that really, really big euphoric moment of pushing back in, on his dad in that press conference, and he's just now coming down from that. And we'll, we'll see how long this depressive state stands. But for folks that don't know, people who are manic depressive go through these states of oscillating emotion that they can't control. They're either mm-hmm. really, really high. And in these, these, these are for no reason. They're not usually attached to anything. So they're just really excited, really amped, usually to an almost dangerous degree. A lot of times people in these manic states will do things like speed or do dangerous things. Um, yeah. Rock climbing with no, uh, no harness or, you yeah. know, stuff like that, that they, they, they sh- in their right mind shouldn't be doing, but they're just in this huge uh, euphoric state. A lot of people think people in manic states are on drugs. So I think that they, they did that beautifully in the first couple episodes of this show and they eventually get to a point where everything comes crashing down they get really low and that's when people can get suicidal or they can harm themselves or others i think that's what kendall's got and i think that the drug use is something he did to try to control the emotions that he's not ever been able to control in his life because think about it if you if you go through periods of like super high or super low you don't know when it's coming you don't know why and it's completely disrupting your life and causing you misery why wouldn't you try to regulate with something? Yeah, you, you, it, it just goes to follow that you would do drugs because then you could have a little control over what your emotions are because when you take drugs, you know, you get that intended effect. It makes perfect sense that he would become a drug addict. There you go. That's my Kendall Roy theory. Spencer, what say you? I'm, I'm with you. I think I think he very much has been self-medicating for years rather than getting the therapy he needs. I mean, effectively, the the drug, the various medications that are used to treat uh, manic uh, depressive uh, conditions or bipolar disorder are kind of basically to bring down the highs and bring up the lows to get you in more on an even keel. And as you said, it seems like he's been trying to do that himself disastrously for years. And it's really, really hard for people who have manic depressive uh, to to take the medication because the medication does exactly what you talked about, Spencer. It will bring the highs down, and then they then they don't get the highs. They don't feel as good. With manic depressive do get addicted to that high. They like yeah. that. They, they're like, oh man, I never I'm never gonna feel that good again in my life if I keep taking this medication. So it's often very hard for those people to convince themselves to take the medication for long periods of time. I think that's why we have Kendall as drug addict. So this episode, as fucking difficult as it is to intake. As uncomfortable as it is, and I will tell you, as uncomfortable, it's getting worse. Massive character development in the sort of like character here you go, revelation. Something. Character revelation. Well, why, why wouldn't you say that's development? I well, mean, they develop. He, he's developing for us. He isn't developing personally. We're understanding more about him rather than him actually progressing as a character. Is the distinction I'm trying to draw? Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I guess he he doesn't fix his manic depressiveness uh, in, in this episode, but yeah. we we 
we get the, we are now understand it. So that I think we can take that as canon that, that he has this this disorder. I think Naomi understands it. I think she very much understands it. She's there for She's willing. Him. She's willing to help him with it. Exactly. So there you go. And although, oh, by the way, Rava should know it. And um, coming into his birthday party swinging like that was a really selfish thing. So fuck Rava. She's mm. on my shit list. Man, she's come down from where she started for you this season. Whoa, she is very low in the Lee Power rankings. Ken then walks away in a terrible mood. He's making fun of people's shoes. I do that a lot. Just crush on people's shoes. You do. He comments on Connor's coat. Quote, look, it just feels like an asshole's birthday party. He's, he's telling hey, it is. social media people. My thing from the very beginning is that it shouldn't look like an asshole's birthday party. So now he's he's flipped. And this happens with people who manage presents. He's flipped to the point that what he was just seen. He was like an hour ago, he now sees completely differently. And it's yeah. mind it's so maddening to the people who have to be around them. Like he's like, what mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking about? Just an hour ago, you loved this thing, right? Kendall then sees Greg, calls him snitch bitch, takes a, takes a shot of liquor, tells him he's about to do a set. Oh, Kendall's really rough in this conversation. At this point, he just snapped. He's just snapped. He hates everybody. You need he's to get mean. him out of there. You need to get him out of there, is what you need to do. Uh, Greg goes into this thing about wanting to ask Comfrey out and he's really driving it. Hey, uh, she said she's going to attack me on television thing. Cause you but told Kendall, her to Kendall doesn't ever get to that point. He can't get past the, you're going to ask out one of my employees. Kendall says, Comfrey, my employee, Comfrey, mm-hmm. Greg then says, well, maybe you don't have to attack me because maybe things are slowing down a little bit in that regard. Kendall just stops and looks at him. No. And she's out of your league, bro. Twice this so, episode. I'm, I'm gonna get Greg, I'm gonna give Greg some credit here. When he hears she's out of your league, he doesn't want to hear that shit. Don't yeah. want to hear that shit. No. And I'll tell you this: I never did when I was dating either. I, I I would I would like say I like that girl, and my friends would be like she's out of your league, and I'd be like, what leagues? What are, what are you talking about it, leagues? It's, it's who, who always made bull- you the fucking. It, it's who, bullshit. Who made you the fucking commissioner? Like you, you, <laughs> what are you talking about league? Man, that's a, that's an official position. I need to get I need to get involved in. Hear more about. Yeah, I always, I always thought that was such bullshit. She, how do you? Who are you to say that? I, I never liked that. Greg has the same sort of dismissive attitude to that comment that I does. I did. Greg, I don't see it that way. Kendall says, "Well, what if I wanted to ask her out?" Stops. Well, that's okay. Inappropriate. But inappropriate. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's best you don't. Okay, it's too complicated. Okay, she works for me. Clean lines, church and state, and all that. Greg keeps talking, and Ken says, "I said no." Durr. You know, like the world's biggest parasite, your tapeworm. Maybe stop feeding on your own fucking family. Unbelievable that Ken has this criticism of him. Uh, Unbelievable, the hypocrites. Oh, just a bit, wouldn't you say? Uh, that's all he's doing this entire season is feeding yeah. on his family. And he says, try sucking some blood elsewhere, yeah? Kendall then laughs. I'm kidding. Or am I? Am I not? Am I? Am I? Am I not? Playground, mad, angry, lashing out. That's all Kendall's doing here. It, is yeah. it nice, appropriate? No, of course it isn't. But that's just what he's doing. It's understandable. Greg. It's not It's not forgivable. Uh, well, I, I would, I'll, I'll rephrase. Uh, it's understandable, but it also should be subject to condemnation. How about that? Uh, yeah, it, it is mean. And Greg says, wow, fucking asshole man to himself. Yeah. He then starts punching a screen of Kendall. I love that. That was cute. Fuck this guy. I would punch his, punch yeah. his screen. Not, not hard enough to hurt it. Just, you know, I'm just making static for a second. Yeah, Greg is the best. Cut to Tom and Shiv at the bar. Tom is mentioning that the vibe seems off. People don't seem happy. Shiv certainly doesn't. She's very upset at Roman and Logan working out the Kindle buyout thing on their own, right? She, that's what she's upset about, the, the yeah. two of them working on their own. Shiv uh, asks Tom, do you know about this buyout thing? Tom, potential line of the episode. You ready for it? Why is no one happy? What is this? Mm. <laughs> mm. 
What a great read on the Kindle 40th birthday party. What, Why is no one happy? What well, is this? It's a great read. It's also Tom. I think Tom is reaching a, revel, a, a kind of certain realization. A, he mixed up his drugs and B, it's a shitty party. But C, he's also reaching the realization that the desperately horrible thing that he was looking to avoid isn't maybe isn't going to happen. But honestly, is the life you're going to return to good? Are you looking forward to that future? I don't. I think he's looking at what the alternative is in the cold light of day and isn't happy to see it either. No, but so funny. Yeah. I, I just love the line. Maybe, maybe double. It really did double overlapping. Why is no one happy? What is this? Cuts to Connor being an old guy talking about yeah. how difficult the rig would be to get. You know, you know those commercials. It's like um, about like I don't know if you've seen them. It's like um, when you become your parents. Yeah, and it's a guy sitting cute, around. Yeah. Those are really funny, right? He's like, you know, like oh, how they they're just selling candles in here. How do they get their overhead back? You know, stuff like that. This is what Connor's doing. How, 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 go how, that? how would that cost? Yeah. Huh. It'd be difficult to get set up. Poor Comfrey comes by, tries to get his coach. He's clearly been told to do this. The coat thing. We talked about this before. Is it reasonable? No. No. But it's, it's absolutely a not. Connor should be able to wear his coat. I think Ken is just like, can you give me something? Can you just yeah. fucking give me something? She, pro that she is, shout out to Comfrey, doing her job the whole episode. Subtle. Starts with a complimentary cashmere sweater for a VIP guest. Yeah. Uh, she tries, then she, Connor says no. Then she tries coat check, but Connor says, I don't trust those things. Again, sounding like an old guy. Comfrey keeps pushing and Wyla snaps. My partner is cold and he'd like to keep his fucking coat on. Okay. And he's ready to be the next president of the United States. So maybe you should show him some fucking respect. Damn. I, it is a great line. It is standing up for a man like the second or third time in this episode. And the look that Connor gives her after she just says Ooh. she would not fuck off is pure Ooh. adoration. It's just that. Let's go right now, Lila. <laughs> I've got somebody somewhere. that cares enough to stand up for me right now. Look at that. Let's find that private space that Madison was talking about. Yeah, he really <laughs> liked that. I Look, in my notes, I say Wyla saw those poll numbers, too. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit more positive I, with Connor it, than she was last episode. I think she they actually do like each other. I think she actually likes him beyond just simply, presumably, the paycheck she's still getting. Yeah, but, but as long as you're paying, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, cut to Roman showing up to the treehouse. He now has a rainbow wristband. He says he had to kill somebody for security. Still tries to stop him from getting in. Are you touching me? Are you touching me? You don't have my permission to touch me. Roman is such a little baby. Yeah, and this Roman security sucks. Finds... This security yeah, he does because as soon as he said that, security gets scared and lets him in. Roman finally finds Batson. Calls him a human VPN. Hard to find. Ha ha. Uh-huh. Tech joke. He's playing a game on his phone. Uh, Madsen is. He says, is... "I just want to find a good p word and get out." <laughs> He's got it. He has goals. You know, apparently he got his pasta and he got his privacy. Now he wants to complete the P trifecta. That's the Spencer trifecta. He's almost there. Yeah. Yeah. Almost got so it. Uh, they joke about each other's mom's vaginas. Very strange thing to do. <laughs> and finally, finally bails out of that conversation and says, were you trying to humiliate Logan? Roman yes. uh, says, you know, we fit. We, we have this, this deal is a good deal. We fit Madsen. I have one question, though. I'm guessing that Madsen gets on your shit list here. When will your father die? Like, I don't want to be rude, but like, what type of shape is he in? Like, less than a year, or like five years, or because if it's five years, that would that would be tough. It'd be it would be better if it's sooner. I, I, I'm right there with Roman. I have no idea how to respond to this train of conversation. Unbelievable. Right now. That is. 
we've seen some real assholes in this show, but that is a that's <laughs> something else. Yeah, that's pretty fucking. Yeah, Spencer's like putting his hand high on the list. Like he's a fucking guy, Madison's up there. This, yeah. is, this is rough. Roman, though, probably the best of the siblings to handle this type of thing. Yeah. Because um, he, he just sort of blows it off. He Let's give credit to Roman here. Because Roman's going to get horrible before this episode is done. But in this conversation, in this moment, he reads the guy well and does what he can to make things head in a positive direction. And I think he does. He deserves compliments for that. Even if I, I don't agree. think he's reading the guy perfectly in terms of maybe what Logan better understands about him. Yes, I agree. We'll, we'll get to that too. I do think Roman misreads him this episode. Um, but you know, basically Roman's like, uh, there's my dad. Uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about something else. And he says, look, I get it. You don't want someone hanging over you because Madsen talks about this, right? And Fierce Roman latches on to that. Yeah, man, man, Roman latches on to this. And I think Roman does do some good things in this conversation. Although I think he over, over, overall misreads Matt's. And I think he does latch on to something he should be latching on to, which is this idea of how does he how does he fit in the organization? That's something that's going to be obviously very important to Matt's. And here's the quote. I mean, we're all hugely looking forward to my father dying, but there's another shape to this. You never have to talk to him. Basically says you deal with me. The joke about destroying the previous app. Now, this is funny because... Uh, Spencer, do you have cable, like a, a traditional cable package? Not anymore, no. Yeah, of course you don't. Uh, I have to. My HOA makes me pay for it. Oh, um, God. Yeah. And we have Spectrum, which is previously Time Warner, mm, which is mm. the worst of the worst. Worst mm. of the worst, absolutely. <laughs> Spectrum has an, a phone app to watch their content on your phone. It sucks. My parents it's have it. It's fucking terrible. It and makes this, Comcast like, this, app look great. <laughs> I know. And this sort of like openly talking about how much these like traditional media outfits suck in their their apps that, you know, like allow for like mobile uh, viewing or distribution of their content is pretty funny to me because I have yeah. struggled with Spectrum's app before trying to watch live sporting events. Um, so Roman says, Gojo, full bore. I mean, our library, our firepower, our relationships for content and like good shit, like not gay moms or wheelchair kids. Uh, so I guess what he's talking about is like local news there. Yeah. Uh, bullshit, but popular actual good shit. But on the occasion you have to send out a smoke screen from Geneva, you go through me. So basically what he's saying is you go where the fuck you want to go. I think he actually says Austin, Texas. He's like, you can go to Austin, Texas, which I thought was pretty Austin, funny. London, Stockholm, Geneva, whatever. It's, again, he just talks. He, yeah, but I think in his, I think there is some level of like where do douchebags live? And that's yeah. what he says. Right? <laughs> Austin, London, Stockholm, Geneva. Well said. Perfect summary. Yeah, pretty good. Basically, you won't even know my father exists. Madsen then keeps shitting on the Waystar app. Finally, Roman pitches the idea. This is creative. That they get the phone. It was pretty creative. I agree with you. This is pretty good. A, uh, they get the phone. They open the app and they take a piss on it. And Madsen, who seems he's either down. drunk. He's pretty, he's pretty drunk, but he's like, yeah, let's do it. He's both drunk so, and weird. This is a weird dude. And you know, this is where Roman's useful because he knows how to work weird. Roman says, I can't piss near other men due to... We don't know what reason. It does not surprise me at all that Roman would get stage fright. That's absolutely perfect for his character. Go right ahead. Madsen then pisses on the cell phone with the app open. He does it. Which is Roman still not says, loading. Which is still not yeah, loading. Still, yeah, it's still thinking about it, right? Roman then says, look, you're a genius. Damn right I am. God, this Madsen guy sucks. But would you be open to meeting with my dad? Maybe. Maybe. Selling Madsen on this idea. Madsen sort of agrees. Says, if all this is true, then yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll consider this, this acquisition. Maybe I'll consider this sale. And Roman says, Monday, he says, Monday works. Roman says, can I tell my dad I just bought Gojo for him? And Madison's like, absolutely not. No. You can't. But, but you can say that I'm in the conversation. Roman congratulates himself by calling himself the best businessman in the world. 
They spit on the app as they walk out, app still loading, scene over. What do you think of this scene? I think Roman does as well as he can in this moment, and I think he does a necessary thing to get the conversation continuing. I, I think he deserves credit for that. I don't think he understands Matson at all as well as he thinks he does, but I think he hit, he read Matson well enough in this moment to get him talking and get him in the door Monday, maybe. Which I think he deserves compliments for that. Yeah, I agree. Cut to Kendall. He's about to do his own set. Do him a set. Billy Joel. This is, he's going he's gonna to go sing. On a harness, I guess, maybe. Um, it, it, it's lit- From what the description is, it is a cross, Jesus style, that's going to carry him up into the heavens as if he's dying for their sins. God help us all. Now, you know that I'm a, uh, I'm a big wrestling fan. You know this. Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a, an incident that happened in the 90s with this sort of like rig, like putting somebody in a rig and having them either descend up it's or descend down. Dangerous. Do you, do you know about this this, I, this thing I, that occurred? I know about this one, yeah. Yeah, so Owen Hart, uh, who was Bret Hart's brother, part of the Hart Foundation, part of the, the wrestling royalty of Canada that is the Hart family, um, what, had a gig where he was supposed to be on one of these rigs and come down from the, the top of the arena down to the ring and he was supposed to uh he was playing a dumb character and he was supposed to when he gets down to the ring about 10 feet from it or five feet from it, he was supposed to fumble with his latch and then fall the five feet down to the thing instead instead it for some reason they we we will never probably know completely the the harness broke uh or released and he fell 90 feet uh in this arena down and died uh, uh, uh for it so i will never hear this idea of someone like being harnessed and like flying down um, in an arena and not think of the Owen Hart situation. So I was immediately like, Kendall, please fucking don't do this. Well, he doesn't. And it seems like his tech guys are pretty uncomfortable about it too. Like his marketing guys are just there with stone faces. Like this is a horrible idea for some reasons. The tech guys talking him through in a way that almost seems devised to convince him what a horrible idea this is. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's atrocious idea, and I really, really don't want Kendall to do it. And he doesn't. And I think he would have done it if he was still in his manic stage, don't you? Yes. I think he would have stubbornly gone through it and just been convinced that of his own genius. Yeah, that's the thing. Is he, I think he he would have done this. And thank God that he didn't. But he mm-hmm. didn't. And he, uh, he goes, uh, he tells them, no, I'm not doing it. It's like 15 layers, overdetermined, master's degree, fucking hokum. Got the, could, could, do you know what that? You got that, Spencer? I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. He that, says, yeah. let's just pull it. I mean, what is it? Dressed in a tuxedo, nailed to a cross, singing Honesty by Billy Joel. It doesn't make any fucking sense. No, but again, it doesn't. No, but this is what happens with people with this disorder is that they they literally snap into a different persona. And the, what he was seeing before, how he thought about it, how he internalized it, every single thing he thought about this thing before, he thinks differently of now. He even bails on the tiny Wu-Tang clan, which I think is a mistake. I think you send the tiny Wu-Tang out. I think, I think they're going to win the audience. I think tiny Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with from an eight-year-old. Give it to me. I think Wu-Tang would have been the perfect way to wrap up this evening. I think it would have been great. He says, tell them they've got it all ahead of them, okay? So basically they're kids. You, you'll be all right. You got it ahead of you. Then Comfrey's uh, boss uh, says to Comfrey uh, after Ken leaves, uh, that's a fucking relief. So this is the the lady who seems to head this sort of social media outfit that Kendall has got on retainer to help him navigate the waters these days. Uh, she clearly didn't want to do it either. 
Cut to Shiv drinking. Kind of a lot. Kind of kind of housing some drinks. Spencer. Well, did you see what she put in her drink before she drank it, too? What? There is a certain powder that she pours in her drink before she has it. Oh, so she put some Coke in her drink. Okay. All right. So it, she laces her drink with a little cocaine. Uh, with makes, yeah, it may explain her, the certain exuberance of her dancing Absolutely. that follows here. Yeah. yeah. And it would explain the crash later. So, yeah. Um, some people do that though. You know, people always think about cocaine. You have to sniff it really. You just have to get it in yourself somehow. Some there are many it. means to but do you so. Can, you can also just drink it. Um, mm. so it sounds like she just drinks it. Uh, that's a, that's a very rich person move to do. Just dump some <laughs> just Coke. Will, like will a Coke drink. despite your own drink. Yeah. And a drink. That's a very rich person thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and then Shiv get down to get down. Woo. I, come on. Let's give some compliments to Shiv's dancing. I fucking love it. I love she's, it. She's, I, she's it having fun. So, Makes me so fucking angry that Roman shits on this. I, here's the thing. I love when people just dance with no reservation. I don't care what it looks like. Go do it. It's so cathartic and fun. Everybody should do it. I shout out to Shiv for this moment. Hey, you, 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 okay. Let's, let's, let's have rules of Spencer laid out here. You know I'm a well-known asshole. It's widely recognized. But the, among the lines... man. Absolutely. But among the lines I will never cross, I will never insult or comment on anyone's dancing when they're on a dance floor. Ever. There are things you do not do, and that is high. Because there's ever a moment of when someone can just have good, honest, unadulterated fun, carefree to all hell, it's dancing with friends on a dance floor. Never bring them down from that high. Never make them second-guess themselves or feel awkward doing it. You support them and you go dance with them, damn it. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. I will, I will tell you this. It's just uh, between us. We have been at a wedding before you and I, both. we've been to a few. Friends. Yeah. And this wasn't my wedding. This is another wedding. And you were dancing and we had some friends who were drinking and they thought it might be a good idea to make fun of you in some way. And I would stop them. And I said, you will not make fun of Spencer. Now this isn't because you dance bad. You, you dance great that that is not the case it's because these guys were drinking in their assholes that's all it was you could have been fucking michael jackson and they would have been like look at that slick asshole you know they what does it matter what you're yeah. doing but i did exactly what you're talking about and i'm sure that you've probably done similar things in the past of like do not fuck with somebody who's enjoying their dancing like that is an, that's absolutely, absolutely not. not okay um I, yeah i've done it with our friend group i've done it specifically with you but with others i invite everybody and to I always do it if you're with a group it. of people if you're with a group of people who are making fun of somebody's dancing, tell them to fuck off. Now, you now that same group has probably slammed me a million times because one thing our listeners don't know is that my party trick is I'm a six foot four white guy who can dance like Michael Jackson. So you anytime can dance a party, damn good too. Anytime there's a party, I always go out and do the Michael Jackson dance. So I'm sure the same guys have creamed me multiple times. But it's a great point. <laughs> Shout out to Shiv. I know it's a bit of a diatribe, but I was really really proud of her. I'm for, with for you right there. Leap. Comfrey then walks by Greg. Second Comfrey Greg interaction in the episode. Greg Much says, better one. Yeah, he's he's dropped the Texas voice here. So shout out to Greg for Thank that. Thank God. Pretty, pretty important. Absolutely. And uh, she starts to explain what her night is like. And um, it sucks. Spencer, I think she gets paid a lot of money for this job. Do you think she gets paid a lot of money for this job? I don't think she gets paid enough. That's the point I was going to make. I don't think she gets paid <laughs> near enough. God, this uh, sounds awful. Grown but, toddler management. But I will say this. Here's something Here's something that Greg needs to latch onto, and I think is very important, is that when she sees Greg, she feels comfortable to immediately start complaining about her job. You that don't that, do that this. is a great call. That is a great call to point out right there. 
you don't do this unless you have some level of comfort with the person. She's not walking around doing that with everybody. She's just doing that with Greg. So Greg's already got a little bit of an in. He needs yeah. to recognize that. Here's what she says her job is like. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Please summarize for me. Uh, Ken had me call Springsteen to try to rescue the vibe. So I guess he wanted Springsteen to just come and start partying, I guess. Hmm. Um, and that got countermanded. And now I'm working on a jetpack for him to leave through the retractable ceiling that takes 48 hours to move. So, I mean, a lot of the ideas are jokes, but some aren't. Yeah. So I think what she's saying here is that I don't know when they're jokes and when they're not. So I have yeah. to kind of chase everything and it sucks. Yeah, she's not and authorized Greg, to second guess this. I have hope for this relationship because Greg just looks at her and goes, yeah, man, that sucks. Because what Comfrey wanted in that moment was to just unload Empathy and he lets and her do it. Yeah. He doesn't say, oh, well, what you should do is this. Or, oh, here's how you manage her. Oh, 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 you should quit. None of that. He just listens. So yep. shout out to Greg. Great hey, moment. Remember your Remember the relationship advice from Parks and Rec. One of the most powerful, profound things you can ever say in a relationship is just to look at somebody and says, Man, that sucks. Absolutely. So Greg doesn't have much for that. Um, they get quiet and she says, what? And Greg says, well, earlier, before I heard you were going to orchestrate a smear campaign in the public against me, I was going to ask if you wanted to grab a drink sometime. But then Kendall says, uh, uh, Kendall said, you know, maybe we can't, um, you know, clean lines, church and state. Wrong Ooh, place, that wrong gets time. her attention. <laughs> But maybe when you're not working for him anymore or something or, you know, trying to destroy my reputation. Now, this is my big question to you, my million dollar question of the episode, because I, I came into this episode with all kinds of theories. I've already diagnosed Ken. I already know what's wrong with him with all the situations. Mm -hmm. This is one I don't know that I really want your opinion on. Please. Did Greg mention Kendall said we can't do this strategically or was he just talking? <sighs> With Greg, I always just assume he's just talking. But if he meant right. it strategically, he's fucking brilliant. But the way he goes right to it, though, makes I me know. think he thought, it you know, this be. might be. And it is brilliant because it he she starts out by saying my job sucks. And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> let me tell he, you. He, he latches on to that and says, well, let me tell you something else. And basically saying, your boss said you shouldn't do this. Like, this is your way. Da and Daddy Comfrey, doesn't want us to date. <laughs> We already established that Comfrey feels comfortable enough to just walk up and unload on him about her evening. So she yeah. already kind of likes him. So she says, look, I spent a whole week looking for 80s lunchboxes, which, by the way, if you've got some nice 80s lunchboxes, hold on to them because they are dope. Kendall's right about this. But then Kendall decided he didn't want that anymore. Uh, but now I've got all these He-Man lunchboxes. Shout out He-Man. In my apartment, I have to resell them because his office wants receipts. Uh, this is the thing that really, really makes me crazy about Kendall when he gets cheap. Can't stand it. Really pisses me off. But then Kendall said, uh, well, um, you know, you, you need to get, get me receipts for this, right? Uh, so then she goes, if you want to ask me out, then ask me out. Greg, oh. do you want to go out? Greg, wasting no time. Right to Coming it. right in. I'm Coming so right in. proud of him. I am so Absolutely. proud of him. As much as he fumbles the first conversation, I don't know what happened between the first and second, but he's a different man because he, uh, he handles this one. Perfecto. Can I ask your scores? Scores in the first conversation versus scores in the second one. I want to see what the difference is in your mind. 
So you do want to stand out, right? I've talked about that before. But I Greg do. was non but you don't want to be nonsensical. And Greg was nonsensical in the first conversation. So it's it's below a five. It's like a two in the first conversation. When someone has to just look at you, smile, and walk away because you are saying such nonsense, it's a yeah. real bad sign. But I think he'd art I think he was already in with Comfrey before that. So I don't think this really damaged him that much. Um this next one. Nine? Not is it a nine, Spencer? If, if what if he was intentionally turning the conversation with mentioning the whole Kindle thing, it's got to be a nine. Even if it isn't, it's so I'd still good. Give, I'd still give him a seven and a half, eight. He did a great job in this conversation. He jumps right in. Do you want to go out sometime, Comfrey? Yes. Greg turns around, looks at Shiv. Wow, she's really dancing there. Very immense, but it's they're talking about Shiv's dancing. We established earlier. Don't do this directly to the person. A little, little talking about it. it's not too bad though. Comfrey, do you know what she's taken? We know, thank you, thank you, Spencer, for catching there it. There for you. She has taken something. Craig doesn't know this. I don't think she's taken anything. Just getting the demons out, I guess. Great banter. That was funny. Yeah, it's funny and it's cute to see them two talking about this. And, and okay, this is, this, in terms of talking about somebody else's dancing, this just seems like they're amused and not pretty kind of, Greg's line, honestly, at the end just sounds kind of supportive. What kills me about Greg is that in every situation in his life, he has no confidence. But no. for some reason with women, he's like, yeah, I, I, she's not out of my league. I got this. I'll just do a little banter with this lady. Like he got game. He's got, got game. game. Got game. He doesn't know his limits and power to him about it. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody, life lessons, will be, somebody tells you that someone's out of your league, dismiss it as nonsense and move on with your life. Yeah. It's nonsense. Kendalyn goes off to the gift room. So it's Ooh. frantically looking for gifts. Kendall Ooh. now very much in the, the depressive state he's like firmly in it at this point he excuses the person working there so it's just him and naomi kendall's manic at this point or, uh, depressive at this point just looking and looking going way too fast naomi sees it it won't turn up if we don't look for it he snaps at her she says well i know that she will allege in her voice and he backs right off it's what we were talking about earlier he backs right off he says sorry sorry i'm, I'm just saying mm -hmm. he's going way too fast she tries to get him to take a break she gives him her gift and it's a watch and Oh, if there is ever evidence that it's so hard to be with somebody, and I, I really do have um, a lot of sympathy for somebody in a relationship with somebody who's manic depressive, because I don't think this is a way that Kendall would have normally reacted. I really no, don't. No, no, no. He's but man, is he spiraling. rude? He's oh, yeah, he's spiraling. That's a great way to put it. He's spiraling, and this is terrible. And it seems to me that Naomi understands what's going on here, and she Gosh. doesn't take it real personal. She gets it a lot better than I would have in that moment. I would have been real damn hurt by his comments there. Me too. We, yeah, me too. I, I mean, it's always difficult buying somebody a gift. It's a challenge. It can always go definitely wrong. I know you enjoy it. but It's, it's like my favorite thing, gift buying. I'm a weirdo. Yeah, I love it. And you know it. I'm completely on the other side of the fence when it comes to that. Yeah. So to have somebody, like, diagnose it. and What did he even say here? It's like... He's asking her almost like to defend it. Like, I don't know why you would have gotten me that. He says, he, first off, he says, is it engraved or something? After it's clear from his reaction, she doesn't like it. And she's it's like, a, it's, a, it's a nice watch. She then, she then, God bless her. She tries to break through it all and just goes, well, do you want a blowjob? Like maybe she could change the conversation to something. So I think she would have blown him right there if it would have gotten him in a better space. He says, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't mean to be a dick. But I have my watch. Listen, Nay, I'm just trying to get inside your head and figure out why you would give me this gift. Oh, just, dude. But the but the but the tragic part of this, and I think Naomi gets it, is that I don't think he really knows what he's saying. I really no, don't. I he think isn't. he's in a weird 
he doesn't know what I think if you asked him tomorrow about this this watch thing he'd have a real hazy memory of it I honestly do I think everything is just painful to him right now and he's just looking for something to blame yes completely agree Uh, but Naomi handles it very well he keeps looking she follows him around while he's looking and at this point he never leaves his side He's punching them. He's dropping them. And she just stays right there. Trying right to control to him to a certain degree. He finally stops and it just washes over him, the sadness. And you get a massive wave of depression that just hits him. And the actor plays it perfectly. I mean, oh, he, he, it, it, it really, it, it, it's really a collapse. Looks, yeah. It looks like it just all hits him. This, this super depressive state. And he just says, I'm sorry. This is so pathetic. I wish I was. And he starts to cry here. I wish I was home. And, um, you know, this is, I don't think that's what he was planning on saying. No, I think he was going to say, I wish I was dead. I think that's yeah. what I was going to say. And that um, is, I, I bash on Kendall a lot, but good God, does he make me sad and cry? Yeah, it's, it's extremely sad. It's someone who, um, has, a, has clearly has this, this disorder. He's got a lot of confidence problems and he does have a lot of people in his life who are just jerks, who are just assholes. Like we're about to get a massive scene of this, but I I, I can't, I I have to go back to the Rava scene. It makes me question all of their interactions now. It really does because maybe, I mean, Kendall is an addict and a manic depressive. He was a nightmare to be with. I'm sure of it. But it seems like Rava was could, could, could be a pillar self. And so he just has a lot of tough people around him. Or at least is done with him. Is so just thoroughly out with him that she has no desire to give him any degree of support anymore. And she's willing to just be openly rude to him. For seemingly no reason. She starts mm. that conversation out rude for no reason. Cut to Greg and Tom. Greg is asking Tom if he's happy because apparently he hasn't smiled in a while. So they try to the compliment tunnel. Spencer. Spencer. Compliment tunnel. You want to do no. it for New Year's? We're having a party at New Year's. Do you no. want to do it? Compliment tunnel? I am never I'll pay ever. For it. Wa- no. Okay, maybe, but no. <laughs> I'll pay for it. Compliment subtle. So Tom uh, says to Greg, why are you so happy, Greg? Because I've met the most wonderful girl in the world. Oh, Greg, uh, this tunnel, I, the tunnel is hilarious. So they basically, they walk around and get random compliments from people who are like kind of behind like a curtain type thing. I would feel so awkward for those people. I could not do it. I'd love it. I'd walk through there and just, let's just keep strolling. This yeah. is great. This is awesome. It's just positivity. It's good, Spencer. It's good for you. Um, they get a random compliment, and Tom just sort of begrudgingly accepts it. Greg, uh, I mean, it's possible she's just going out with me because of rancor or pick. <laughs> I love how he speaks like he's in the late, ni- late, late 19th century. Greg's vocabulary is fascinating. He does. He seems like a character like out of, um, I don't know, the Boardwalk Empire or something. Mm. Um he also has a lot of self-awareness. He realizes he this makes me think that the sort of like, Hey, Kendall said we couldn't date thing was strategic because he, he knows possible. Uh, she probably just bid on that. But I maintain that he had something going with her before this. Now it might've been like a friend thing, but you can, in early stages, you can move friend thing to something else. So mm-hmm. he, I think he had something here. Um, but it's funny that he has the self-awareness to know like, well, I, I did kind of do a cheap move there to, get, to, to seal this deal. 60, 60, 40, but still you got a date. Some guy yells they're full of grace and Tom takes issue with that. Spencer, if I told you you were full of grace, what would you say? I would wonder whether you'd suddenly become re- reborn in a way I didn't know about. 
Yeah, like I was uh, like part of like a Nexium cult or something. Something like um, that, yeah. Yeah, he says, that's a weird thing to say. Tom gets fighting mad here. I think it's the drugs talking. You being sarcastic, full of fucking what? What did you say? Craig, Tom, come on. Talking to the guy. You're just doing your job, right? He, he's had a little bit of the cocaine tonight. <laughs> just a bit. Just a little bit of the cocaine. <laughs> this sounds like you for sure. This really sounds like Spencer. Oh, yeah. Like, di- like, like hey, excuse me, sir. Uh, he, he's just had a little bit of the cocaine. Just a, yeah. just a touch. Just a dose. You know how it is. Coke. <laughs> so funny. Um, Tom tells him not to say that because he's a public figure. Now Tom thinks he might run for office one day. Tom, sure, of the why not? Yeah, sure. I took the wrong drugs in the wrong order and I can't get happy. So what we talked about before. Come on, kids. Don't do drugs. Please don't do drugs. If you're going to do drugs, uppers first, downers later. Greg, can't you just be happy you're free? Tom, no, I can't because you ruined it. Craig, did I ruin it? Tom, I don't know. You just have. <laughs> That's his, emo, his emotion is that sound. <laughs> yeah. Is that noise? <laughs> what it's a, a baby. To- it's a toddler not wanting peas. <laughs> no. Cut to Shiv walking up to Roman. And this is the worst scene of the season. I nominate it for worst scene of the show ever. Are, I think you- of the... Are you stretching so, this through its conclusion? I mean, just Shiv yeah. Roman or throwing in Roman? The whole Roman, thing. The okay. Whole thing. Yeah, I yes. think yeah, I, I think it's up there with certainly with Roman tearing the million million dollar check up in episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman uh, poking but, at the homeless guy's head that doesn't even compare. Yeah, the, but this is so high. I don't like. I got a question for you. Do you think that it's when when Roman gets drunk he does this? We have like what? Really, where is this acute meanness coming from? We've not seen it from him all season. But it seems like, to a certain degree, that he is just fully trying to be Logan's best boy and is acting like it. To, is acting is trying to aspire to it and act like it to a certain degree. But also, think about it. We really haven't ever really seen Roman drunk. It's been a very rare thing to see him actually blitz. He mostly has been the kind of sober guy around everybody that's drunk or high. But he's clearly drunk here. So he may just be a mean asshole drunk. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I think there's maybe a part of that is because he starts right. We, we They make a point to show that he's the only one in the room that has two glasses of champagne to start. The, start and the he's day, had right? a few. Or, yeah. Yeah. He's kind of kept it going. Right. So I think he's drunk. And I think there's something to this that when Roman gets drunk, he just gets mean because this is a this is an acute level of meanness that uh, is, is really Roman is a mean guy. But this is a little abnormal. Yeah. And his siblings are mean. His siblings are mean too. But even they are just overcome by just how just aggressive this is. Yeah, they're kind of stunned by this. He starts out by making fun of her dancing. That's a mortal sin here on the Line of Succession podcast. Mangum Bad talks start. does not does not like you are on the shit list if you do this for Mangum talks. He says it's like the dance of the sugar plum failure. Funny line though. Shib just sort of takes it. That's the problem here. It pisses me off is that he's being really really mean but kind of funny as he does it. So it's kind of kind of it's tough. Roman. What do you want? Yeah, he says, uh, she says, fuck you. You spoke to him. Roman says, I'd rather not. Boy, this is tough. I'd rather not say. Basically, I'm not I'm not liberty to tell you sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it, Shivy. You can go cut a rug. She says, look, I'm serious. He says, I'll see if dad wants to loop you in. She says, look, I, I need to know because I may need to finesse this. Also, I'm president of the fucking company. Roman <laughs> says, how would you finesse something that's done by ruining it? The thing is that Lucas, oh, you call him Lucas now, and I have like a thing. Yeah, sure you do. You pissed on a cell phone. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how you fit in. Shiv, you know, if you want to show off to somebody, maybe do it to somebody who gives a shit. She's just stretching here. She's just reaching for anything because she is taken back by how abruptly mean he is. I don't think she was ready for this in this conversation. Now Roman takes it to another level. You're having a mm-hmm. very bad day. What? With the hearing that you have to continue to share your apartment with your old meat wardrobe. But, you know, try to keep your wig on. 
Shiv points out that she's the one in the functioning relationship. Roman weirdly points out that she didn't drink the champagne at Waystar. So now he's like, you didn't, you didn't even drink your drink. Like that, that's a weird thing to be pointing out. I don't understand yeah. why he does that. Do you? I mean, it's, it seems like he's trying to just really frame her as being the outsider, that I'm the in guy. I'm the one with the relationship. I'm the guy that makes things happen. You wouldn't even share a drink with all of us. Yeah, she's like, I don't drink on work days because I have self-control. Just want to point out, I don't I don't like the use of that term when you're talking about drinking. But anyway, uh, she uh, says, I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, no, 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 no. Here's another thing in my quote that besides the, the weird term self-control, which is eh, strange. She says, um, I don't drink on work days. She doesn't say during working hours. She says, work no. days. isn't this the same night? Okay, yeah, yeah. But you know what she means here. I know, but it, it's just kind of strange. Maybe it's they a, did this. Maybe they had her misspeak because she's flustered. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, because she does clearly misspeak her. She says, I'm pretty sure this is uh, a Roman says, um, I, I thought maybe you were thinking about the dick you were going to ride when he was inside, Tom in prison. She said, oh my fucking God, no one else likes talking about me fucking guys as much as you do. I can say that is true from my experience yeah. watching the show. Roman absolutely does talk about her sex life more than anybody else on the show, including her own husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that? Is that because you are the COO who can't fuck? I thought they were about to physically start fighting here. I had I had that premonition of them in the hospital. Remember when they went in the lecture room and just kicked the shit out of each other? I thought they yeah. were going to go to that. I thought this was going to happen. It's interesting to see again that when Shiv gets when Shiv wants to hurt somebody, she has default insults for particular people. For Kendall, it's yes. his, Kendall with his drug use. For Roman, drug. sexual dysfunction. That, yes. That's what she hits. And Roman is just he's hitting her too effectively for this to land at all. No, she's uh, she's out of her depth here, and it's not because she can't go tete a tete with him. She can. She's just she just wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, Roman, did you think Tom was going to jail? Shiv reaffirms she's glad that he's not going to jail. He says, I'm sure you are. You look really happy. <laughs> Did you think there was a chance, though, that he was going to go to jail? The dad was going to go to jail? Fuck, maybe I was going to go to jail. Maybe Kendall. Wow, he's all crazy. And, and that's what's so all about you, right? You thought it was ladies' night, and they were playing your song. But guess what? You were wrong. All the men got together in man club and decided everything is just fine. Whoa! Whoa! Oh! I, uh, okay. Roman as a, a way of being an absolute asshole and still hitting a certain grain of truth. Is there yeah. any, do you think he's in some way accurately assessing a bit of what was Shiv's psychology was for some of, of course? Because, yeah, of course. But we now we have evidence. Now we have evidence that both of Shiv's siblings that, to, to, that she's closest with, right? Both Kendall and Roman thought that as soon as Tom went to prison, Shiv would be out on that relationship. Cause Kendall says it to Tom. He goes, do you, yeah. do you really think she's going to hang around And here? Roman, very dismissive of, of the idea that she would be waiting around. She's like, you're just going to go fuck other people as soon as he goes to jail. Now, we do know from the last season that Shiv wanted an open relationship with Tom. So it's not completely out of the depth that they would assume that she's going to do this. It just seems like a really harsh thing to say. Oh, no, it's just me. Uh, about her husband. Yeah, absolutely. It's fair. Regardless of the truth of it, it's just a really mean thing to say to another person. It absolutely is. But when he ends on... All the man got together in man club and decided everything. This is when he decides, I don't care how I sound. Mm-hmm. I'm going to want to hurt you as much and as I'm going to hurt you by saying you're I'm going to I'm going to go all the way in deep into your soul to right. that bit of, the, 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 of feeling like you don't belong. That comes from the patriarchy that comes yeah. from male dominated society. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to push that a little bit. 
Yeah, I'm pushing that thing a little bit, which is, man, he is just absolutely... He's looking to hurt people. Shift tells Roman he's being used as a messenger messenger boy, but he's too fucking dumb to see it. Roman, I get it. It's difficult for you to do the dance for dad because you just suck at dancing. Here comes a very strange line by Roman. Yeah, please unpack this. Turns out he loves fucking me and he doesn't want to fuck you anymore. Shift, what are you even talking about? You're so gross. Yeah, the Oedipal complex this guy runs in is just fascinating. Well, everything to him is sexual, right? Everything is fucking or not fucking or withholding or cucking or everything he relates to some sexual thing. And so when he's just explaining, hey, dad wants to work with me and doesn't want to work it with you. It's fucking he's fucking. And it's in like Shiv's reaction is like everyone. It's like, what are you so gross? Roman, daddy doesn't love his little carrot top, even when she does her little daddy dance. Tough. Roman sees Kendall. It says, happy birthday, Naomi. Now with Kendall, by the arm, it says, He's trying to get him out of the room. <laughs> enough, okay? Like, basically announcing to the room, Kendall's had enough. This is, he is We're not going home place. now. And if, and if you notice, Shiv, who had that scene with him, I believe it was in se- early in season two, where he looks at her and he says, can you just help me? Can you protect me, please? And he's crying. He, at that point, we can now look in retrospect, was in a in a depressive state. She yeah. noticed it and showed him kindness. Not normal for her. She notices in this scene that Kendall's She Kendall dials okay. it back quick. Absolutely. With regard to Kendall, she does. She even sticks up for him later in the scene. But Kendall stops, look at them, super sullen, says, neither of you should be in here. Roman mocks him and says, call the cops, Kendall. You both came in here behind my back. You're ghouls and you're disgusting. Kendall starts asking if someone can get them out. Roman says it's too late for this. He spoke to Madison, who hates you, by the way, and laughs at you constantly. This is a nut. This is also he knows that Kendall worries that people don't take him seriously. Yeah. Laugh behind his back. And he's poking at that. He's literally in this conversation. Every single insecurity he can find. He's taking a big old massive spotlight to. Yeah. Shiv, now looking at Ken, can see he's in a different place. And even she speaks up and tells Roman to stop. Says, enough. Can you stop, right? Mm-hmm. And Roman, oh, what? Go easy on birthday boy? Shiv, Ken asks Shiv if she came here to see him at all. Shiv, as much as she wants to tell Roman to stop, is not going to lie to him here and says, no, basically, I didn't come here to see you at all. Sorry. We haven't been getting along so well lately, Ken. Have you noticed? Mm-hmm. Ken says, Gojo was my idea and you stole it. That's probably true. Roman, what are you, six? No need to cry about it. You lost. Roman turns to Shiv and asks her if she likes the spine. She tells him to lay off the drugs. Or no, not Roman. Kendall turns to Shiv and asks her if she likes the spine. And she tells Kendall to lay off the drugs. Then Roman says it's not a big fucking deal. So Shiv thought he was being paranoid. Shiv takes note of this and asks Roman, wait a second, we're actually spying on his kids? And Roman says, yeah, yeah, we are. Um, Apparently something he did or authorized, which is fucking mind-numbing shiv oh no that's disgusting shiv is now out on that idea roman asks if she's now siding with the traitor shiv says look there's a line sophie and iverson name of kendall's kids are they're just kids but roman um acts surprised at the idea there is no line for him kendall uh roman you're a bunch of stuck-up cunts who can fucking bear to who can't fucking bear to see me win that's it that's all this is Roman says, fuck you. Okay, okay. Have a good birthday. Fuck face. And then Roman pushes Kendall to the ground. Yeah. 
Kendall gets up, looks at Connor, and says, Take your coat off! Uh, Take your fucking coat off! Wyla screams at him. Connor, yeah. Connor actually jumps in here to try to, again, calm things down. Kind of like Shiv trying to help out the fucking siblings that are spiraling right here. But Ken's focused on that damn... Kendall's focused on the coat. Can you do me this one thing, Connor, which is the the one thing he's not willing to do. Wyla tells him, that's enough! And, like, at that point, I kind of thought, like, Wyla, strong episode. That one might be it. Might have been a one to sit back. Might have been a one not to jump into that one, Wyla. Yeah. Um, Ken walks out yelling at Connor to take his coat off. And there we go for the possibly the worst scene. When I say worst, I mean, made me feel the worst of any fictional scene I've seen in a show I truly care about. Maybe ever. Maybe. it, it gets even worse that to, even as these things are, people are leaving, Ruckman is just still kind of giggling and laughing to himself about what happened. It is ugly. It makes me yeah. feel bad. Like, it just, ugh. Now, a lot, reading in the fan base, a lot of people are just, are saying that they are forever out on Roman because of this scene. That this is are the you? real. I'm not. I'm not. I need more. Oh, I need, okay. Good. Spencer supports cruelty. Got it. Spencer, big cruelty guy over here. Well, that, that's true, but that's not my reason for this particular decision. <laughs> we, Spencer. We, we, what as the you, fuck? You're not out on Roman? I'm not. No. One scene is not going to put me out on a character. I need to see more of this. Is this where Roman is going? Is this him just embracing what he feels like is his dad's cause and acting in this manner? Or is this guy an angry drunk? Which is still not great but at least provides a different understanding of it. I need more than this one scene to be able to completely be. Well, he wasn't drunk character. when he tore the million dollar checkup in front of that kid. Yeah. But we've talked about how different that, that scene compared to a lot, a lot, a lot of what we've seen since the guy's an asshole. We just have not seen this level to his family before. And the family's important because Roman previously theory here. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, please, please. Uh, I think there's a theory here that he could be a mean drunk. It could be abnormal. He could have that gear that comes out. 2% of the time, or it could be anytime Roman feels empowered and he, he feels acts. power over people, he acts out uh, and, and mean. And, and that what we have, when we have liked Roman is when he has felt subservient. Right. And if, and this is my, this is why I need more to interpret this scene fully. That if the second thing you just set out is true, then I'm kind of done on this character because I've seen him for what he is now. If it's the first and it's just an aberration or, then that's a different kind of read. We need more. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna get it. I don't. I think there's gonna be some follow up to this this scene. I, they how spent could too, they're not? They spent too much time on it. There's too. This was the Coleman. This was the actual apex of the episode. This scene. I think we're gonna get more on it for sure. Cut to Shiv and Tom in the car. Tom asks if she wants to go someplace. Uh, can we keep the party going, please? Can we keep it going? I didn't do the thing right. Tom, I might be up for a while. Shiv does not want to keep partying. Cut to Kendall on his balcony watching the remnants of the party. He's got a little kid's blanket over him. I love that they, they gave him that like, like he's, he's reverting back to the sort of childhood Ken. Um, I don't know if it's maybe his childhood blanket or, or maybe Iverson's or something, but he's got a, a child's blanket over him. And he says, I think the party's over. Yeah. Naomi. Yeah. It's just a party. Let it fizzle. Naomi then pulls him over, gets him to sit down and puts his head on her lap. And we get a close up of her thinking. And this actress does this really well because it's clear that, it doesn't look like she's in a, I'm breaking up with this guy. No. Fuck him. I think it's in a, oh, man, I, you know, I should have seen this coming. This is tough. Mm-hmm. We've had a bad night sort of look, but it doesn't seem to me like a look where 
what Kendall went through, what he did that night is somehow going to negatively impact their relationship. I don't think Naomi's out on him. I think she's just distressed for him. What was your yeah. read? I, I think that's I think that's very accurate. I, I don't think she's happy about the present circumstances. I don't think, you know, she's looking him with adoring eyes right now. But she right. seems more unhappy in a kind of worried about him kind of way than, oh, God, can I just leave right now kind of way. She's not. No, she's not leaving. Uh, it looks like she's there for the night, if not well, the long and, haul through this depression. And we've, we've had that in season two, that she's been through these kind of cycles herself. We don't we can't diagnose her accurately as to what she's gone through, but she's certainly had drug abuse spirals in the past. And it's something that in many ways, the lows is something they bonded over. So I yeah. think she, I think she knows where he's at and is sympathized with him. Yeah, very common for people who abuse drugs to have some sort of underlying psychological issue that they're trying to get relief from. And that's mm. why they go down the road to begin with. And then something clicks, you know, something clicks and, and they can't go back. They can't, they're an addict and they can't flip it back. But right. she probably, she does seem like she kind of understands that. But anyway, Spencer, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Recap done. I, this, this season... I mean, again, we can debate to what degree the episodes link together or what degree the overarching plots been kind of taking a back seat this, this season. But for individual episodes standing on their own, God, this, this show still knocking it out of the park. It's an unbelievably entertaining show. It is just like, it, it, I don't know that there's a show that sucks me in as much as this one. I'm not saying it's the best show on television. Probably my favorite though. It probably mm -hmm. is my favorite show on television. I'm not saying, I don't know if it's the best or not. I, I think that's a different conversation, but to me, it is the one that I just simply can't turn off. It is. Yeah. It sucks me in and I can't, I can't turn it off. I'm with you with that. All right. You want to talk about the line of the episode? Let's do that one first. Then we'll do Roy of the episode. I've got some nominees. I mean, is I don't have as many as some of the episodes we've done before, but there were still quite a few. <laughs> Sure, I'll start with one. Uh, it's like I've gone anti-fragile. I can accommodate yeah. anything. If I start second-guessing, it collapses. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was... Foreshadowing there. Just a bit. Uh, one Short one from Logan. I will remember. That had a lot of weight. Yeah. It's a simple line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is the next one I've got here? If you got uh, one, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Wyla. Okay, immersive theater. I mean, I could have consulted, but whatever. Uh, Tom, she's way out of your league, man. It's like a haunted scarecrow asking out, asking about Jackie Onassis. It's a suicide mission. You shouldn't even really be thinking about her. You're going to put her in a tough spot. Uh, I'm not going to repeat it because it's vile, but uh, everything that Roman says about going in and out of his mom's vagina, Ooh, that entire yeah. monologue there. Here's one. Uh, Ken DeShiv, I'm disappointed because you usually write me such lovely letters. Uh, yeah, there's, there's several great ones from that conversation. You seem like the open one up where, you know, Kendall's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Who, who let you guys in? This is friends only. Oh, shouldn't it be empty then? Beat me by a second. I love those little bits of what are still friendly ban banter between people that care about each other. People that care about each other. Yeah. Can't, I, I'm doing this, this is a completely selfish one. Um, it's Rava. I didn't mean to on your birthday, Ken, you didn't mean to burst my birthday bubble. Well, congratulations. Okay, I had to throw it in because of how much Robin may be angry this episode. Uh, okay, so go on, tell us who's here. Well, who isn't? Uh, well, your dad, your mom, your wife and kids, any real friends? Uh, got any more? I'm, I'm out. I, I don't want to do any of Romans, so I'm out. Uh, let's see here. Just fuck Roman. Yeah. I don't want to do any of his shit. Uh, another one from Wyatt. Hey, my partner is cold and he'd like to keep his fucking coat on, okay? And he's running to be the next president of the United States, so maybe you should show him some re fucking respect. 
right there with you. Stand up for your man. Yeah. Um, which, I, which I respond, oh, he has. What, what state has he filed in? And Where did he get enough signatures to actually be on the ballot? You've mentioned a few of these before, so I'll leave them out for right now. But last one, I wish I was... I wish I was home. Yeah. That's a sad, sad line. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you done? Yeah. Okay. Best line of the episode. Line of succession for too much birthday is Tom Wamsgams. Why is no one happy? What is this? <laughs> well, figured you'd come back to that one. Wanted to save it for you. <laughs> what is this? That is yeah. perfect. Why too is much. no one happy? What is this? Completely, completely explains the episode. Too much birthday. Too much birthday. Too much birthday. Okay, let's do the Roy Power Rankings. You ready? We start at the floor every week. I got a nominee. <laughs> Who, sir? Who would you be offering this time as having well, possibly actually, this the... Is really, this is really hard, right? Because you, the way we've done this before... It's is. not about bad, being a good or bad person. That's exactly. not the criteria. So I want to nominate Roman, but it he isn't. actually gets some wins this episode. It, he might actually win. So I, I think you, uh, for me, I'm going to put Kendall at the bottom. Yeah, um, it's got, it's got to be because wh- yeah. whether he, whether he, whether we reveal that he has a loving relationship with a partner that cares about him, whether we see this as a moment where he actually is starting to come to terms with who he is and can go his own path, whether he's been given a financial means to freedom, at the end of this episode, he is as sad and broken as we've ever fucking seen him, and this is a guy that accidentally killed a waiter. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's in a, he's in a depressive state for sure. So he's at the bottom. I would say I would say as much as I appreciate his commitment to the jacket, to the members only jacket. Um, I would put Connor next. No, because no. yeah, I put Connor next because he he doesn't do a lot this episode, and you know sometimes in life. Uh, life lessons with Lee. I'm displacing a lot this episode. Give them to me. Um, sometimes in life, you're asked to do something that's kind of stupid. Yeah. You're, you are. You're, somebody asks you to do something and you think you're like, man, that's kind of dumb. But it's important to them. Just do it. Connor, it wouldn't have fucking killed you to take the jacket off. I, I've said it over and over again on the podcast. He shouldn't have had to. But it's low-hanging fruit, dude. It Wait, doesn't okay, hurt. Okay. Take have the you ever broke jacket off. Have you ever broken an arm? You ever, ever, ever had like an arm or a leg or a cast or something? No. Can you imagine though that it's actually kind of hard to take off clothing and hard to get it on? It seemed like it was just draped over his shoulder. Even then, let the let the man with the bro- with the broken arm or whatever else it is enjoy his coat. And also, as, he had, as he much had as he had a broken, standing up for him, as much as he had a broken arm, he was not as as he wasn't as um, handicapped as Kendall was this episode. So I'm going to say that, yeah, I'm just going to say that you need to be a little bit more uh, intuitive and emotionally intuitive in the situation and just take your jacket off. I put Connor there. Who would you put? Shiv. I put Shiv. I can't put Shiv there because she actually literally danced like no one was watching. And she got shit on for it. Yeah, did. Who cares? It was one one idiot doing get shit on her. Who cares? It, it hurt her though. It, she ends she ends this episode worse than she started, which I can't say that's true for Connor. I don't think she. I think she was upset at the colluding of Roman and Logan. I don't think she cared that he was making fun of her dancing. I, I agree, but she was upset about that. She was upset that Roman de- dealt with Matson on his own and didn't involve her in keeping her boxed out of it. And then her sibling was a dick to her, and he probably accurately called out some of the th- concerns she has about her relationship with Tom. She's got to be, if she, if she isn't this place, she's got to be the next place on the list. And her husband's going to be up for the next 12 hours. Okay, well, fine. You've convinced me. Shiv, then Connor. But Connor's okay. got to be after Shiv, because he That's didn't do fine. fucking That's much fine. at all this episode, except stand around. Fair, fair. Tell me Greg um, makes the list this week. 
Uh, I think I think I think then you would put Roman um, or Logan. No, let's do Logan next. Logan is up there though because if we get very little Logan this episode, but he does have a very accurate read on this guy. So I think you got to put him up there. Maybe Roman above that. Would you agree? Yeah. Because he did get some wins. And he thinks, he, he th- in his head, he's perfect right now. Right. But here's the thing, and I alluded to this before. I'm going to go ahead and talk about it here. I think that Roman is setting up for a fall next episode because I think he misread Madison. I what? think Madison's going to be, is Madison involved in the conversation? Yes. But is he as close to signing up to this deal as Roman thinks he is? No. What? And he's going to put that guy in the room with Logan. And can you imagine how much that guy's going to piss Logan off next episode? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's one of the things where we talked about part of Roman's success this season has been slow, steady, well-thought-out, supportive actions. Not big flashy ones, not ones with big risk. He's just been progressing while everybody else has been taking punches. He made a big move last episode that seems like it paid off, and I think he's feeling it. It's getting overconfident. And so he's making big shiv Kindle kind of moves and we've seen how much those can blow up. And yeah, this one I think is going to go wrong on him. Yeah. Okay. And then at the very top, it's gotta Greg. be Greg. Gotta be, gotta Greg. be Greg. He Look got, Greg. he got a date with Comfrey. So shout out to Greg. He is our Roy of the episode. He bust into the top five normal hey. honorable mention territory. I think he bust in this week. I think he gets the win. Do you agree? Yeah, and throw in the fact that he was spitting fire at a lot of moments with other people that were trying to bring him down. Greg impressed me this episode in a lot of ways, and kudos to him. He also did like just the most human moment when he turned around and started punching that screen, but <laughs> not enough that. to really hurt it. That was <laughs> such a human thing. I, was, I could totally see myself doing that, 100%. Yeah, yeah, shout out Greg. Greg wins the episode, Roy of the episode. Okay, I know we're running long, but I still want to hear it. What do you got for Spencer's relationship advice of the episode? Spencer, take it away. I'll keep it short because I've already addressed a few things, but one of the most profound and meaningful things you can ever do with a partner is tell them when they're being stupid is to guide them away from making a mistake, guide them away from hurting themselves. It's hard to do, it's painful to do, but God, is it valuable and appreciated in the cold light of day. In this episode, Naomi does that a couple times, but she also doesn't do it in a few others, particularly early, including with all respect to the Billy Joel Jesus Christ narrative thing. There are many moments of when you can save your partner from a lot of later pain just by being willing to advise them that, honey, I love you, but what you're doing is stupid and you should think about it for a minute. Probably say it better than that. Maybe a different wording, but I agree with the sentiment. And I fully endorse that kind of action, is that between partners, between friends, one of the most effective things you never tell them is give them an opportunity to actually look at what they're doing in the cold light of day and, you know, assess their situation for them. Because it's so hard to do that yourself. You rely on other people for it, but people are so afraid to do it for fear of hurting them. But you can often help them a lot better by being willing to deal with the awkward moment now to save them a lot of pain in the future. And man... Naomi can help with that, but she, when it comes to Kendall, she needs to do it more. Okay. Is that it? That's all I, I'll, I'll keep okay. it short. We're running over. All right. Yep. Yeah, not well. Yeah, I guess we're, I don't know for this, but this podcast too, it has about right. Um, okay. Well, I think that's it for the episode. We only have two more. Uh, we have talked about before on this episode, on this uh, podcast that we were going to get 10, 10, count them, 10, 10, 10 episodes. We do not, we get nine. That was a shocker to me. I did not know that until this week. I think it was a shocker to you too, Spencer. We'll Quite a bit. More. Um, we will be talking about what, because uh, we got some diehards, Spencer. We got people who follow us from pod to pod. And they're going to want to know, what are what, what are we doing next? What podcast uh, are we jumping to? What are we reviewing next? More on that will be revealed. We promise you. We will, we will let you know before we end our last episode 
which will be a review of season nine of season three of succession or episode nine of season three of succession. Before we do that, uh, finish that podcast, we will let you know what we're doing next. So hang in there for that. We just don't quite have that all figured out the logistics of that yet. But what we do know is that if you go to your favorite podcast provider, type in Mangum Talks, M-A-N-G-U-M, Mangum Talks, you will get all our content. And if you are still here at two minutes and 21, two hours and 21 minutes, you're still listening. You like me and Spencer. So that means you <laughs> Somehow, go, some way. You should go to MangumTalks.com. Uh, check out all of our podcasts, especially the Wheel of Time podcast. That's a fun one. But also check out whatever Spencer and I are doing because we will be doing another podcast uh, after this one. That remains to be seen. We will announce it later. But before we get there, Spencer, we got two more episodes. we got to wrap this season up. I'm excited to do it. God knows what we'll see. Thank you for hanging in there on a super fucking cringy episode with me. And we will be back with you next week for our review of Season 3, Episode 8, the penultimate episode of Season 3. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a good week.